Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode is our Book of Boba Fett report. We are reporting on Chapter 6 in, my goodness, there is so much to report. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Cat Napsack, and man, uh, what can you do? Just sit down, let's strap in, and let's go for a ride all around the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want half of this podcast to be you and I just closing our eyes and, and meditating. That's how I want to celebrate this uh, amazing episode. Yeah, and amazing indeed. Let me just start right there. Amazing indeed. Yeah, amazing on multiple levels. There's so much to talk about, so we are going to dive in. We're having so much fun uh, discussing this great show, The Book of Boba Fett. We're on Chapter 6, which is entitled, From the Desert 
Comes a Stranger, is written by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. It is directed by Dave Filoni. It is about 44 minutes or so of actual sweet, sweet story. Uh, we like to set the scene, really uh, celebrate the fact that we are taking this in as fans. Ken, did you watch it midnight with your partner again? I did. I did. Uh, uh, watching and... Um I, it's, I, is is it an ampersand or is it actually and between them? I'm so curious about did they sit down together or because ampersand in, in screenwriting terms is uh, connected. They sat at a table and yep. may, means different rooms, so to speak. <laughs> means somebody probably lost a job, maybe got a job again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, not to get to inside baseball. That was fascinating by that, thinking about that. Um, yes, uh, Midnight, Midnight and, um, you know, did a pretty good job isolating myself. I started to, um, and look, the world's been, the last couple of years, it's just been a tough time. <laughs> we mm-hmm. all deserve joy. So I'm not suggesting anyone who got super, super excited about what they were about to see uh, did anything wrong because that was me too. But I saw a couple of people trying to own it in terms of uh, scoop clout. And I heard, I heard, I heard. And I started getting a little, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be careful and protect myself because we can do that. We can be like, did you hear Jesus is coming back at midnight? And then it's knocking on the door and it's an Amazon guy with a load of cash. And you're like, oh, but they said Jesus was coming. And you just get, you know, you, you just build stuff up. So I, I pulled back from that for the last two hours. I just like, I'm putting the phone away. Uh, I'm not going to engage in that. And then I think I, I I just like a lot of folks are just kind of rewarded because it just was a check, 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 check. And, and it was so fun to experience it that way at midnight. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been having my uh, ritual of, you know, I have a nice evening with my wife and then it is time for uh, her to go to bed. She bought me a Boba Fett uh, shirt uh, for the holidays. So I, I, I remember to put on my Boba Fett shirt <laughs> uh, to watch the Boba Fett show. Uh, and uh, now it's become a ritual with my wife where when she heads to bed. Like, I'll try not to be too loud if anything's uh, too exciting. She's like, no, please scream as loud as you want. <laughs> the names. So yeah, there there were some screams, uh, some some whimpers of joy and sadness. Uh, definitely did some whimpering during this episode. Yeah. Uh, but I've also been having fun uh, with my action figures. I love my action figures so much. I've been talking about every episode uh, that I've been pulling out uh, my Boba, a couple different Boba Fett action figures that I have, and setting them up like they can watch the television too. And then last week, halfway through, I was like, I got to turn around Mando. And and this week, I, I had faith. I turned around Boba Fett, I turned around Mandu, I turned around Grogu, and I turned around Luke, so they were all ready to watch. I just needed to move Ahsoka over. I really should have done that, and I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it was, it's fun to go through this, like, um, we're going to discuss the the big debate of, it's called Book of Boba Fett, but it is clearly branching out into other characters' interconnected journeys. And for me, it's been a fun, strange ritual to sort of experience and accept that through action figures. Uh, yeah, I love that. It's, it's the full collection there. Uh, I had some thoughts on that. Um, <clears throat> see, I had some thoughts on that idea and, and it's a good thought. Uh, I mean, it, it's a good question of, Hey, but why is this title? This and that, I, but that's why we're here to analyze it. I think it all flows nicely. And, uh, yeah, this episode was just a lot of fun to sit back and look, I don't, I don't do like reaction content. We don't do the Air Force Center. Uh, I think it's quite uh, atrocious content to be honest, but here, here are my quotes from my reaction, Joseph. Huh? Really? And she's there too. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's even cuter. Oh, wow. They're doing it. They're doing it. That was uh, kind of my journey through this whole episode. It, 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 this whole episode. It was magical. It was magical in the best of ways. And a, and a true Clone Wars episode. Like, I'm starting to realize Clone Wars styles of episodes um, and all the things that are packed in there, the emotional canon more than anything, uh, it might be some of the more uh, enjoyable Star Wars content for me. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you, you're saying a lot of great things that I want to dive into. So let's let's get into our uh, our overall reactions. I mean, I think I think for me, when I say uh, whimpers, I definitely did some woos because I was like, oh, great, I, this is expected. This is expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be honest. I did spend like uh, about a half an hour before the actual show, like about eleven thirty, going like, all right, well, I've seen on social media totally confirmed that it's this is a Filoni episode. It's like, what does that mean? And I and I did start thinking. Uh, I think I think that might mean Ahsoka because I could see how she might you know weave into this. So that was that was like a fun thrill, a fun pop. That yep, absolutely, uh, Ahsoka is there, and what does that mean? But then, like when I say whimpers, uh, the the moments with Luke and Grogu that were like so beautiful <laughs> that they affected me on a deep level, and then the moments of terror with what's going on in Tatooine, and like just like the actual sadness in a in a good way because I'm emotionally affected by the show, like. That's why I say whimper, whimpers of joy and whimpers of sadness. <laughs> uh, diary of a whimper uh, over here. And I love, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It, it was, uh, it was a lot packed in. And at one point, uh, you know, we always, uh, it was about 46 minutes, 48 minutes with credits or whatever. Um, and at one point uh, I pressed pause. Uh, when, you know, we need to get some extra snacks from the fridge. You know, this is a midnight snack show here. And I noticed there was like still 20 minutes left. And I was like, oh, that's good. Okay, good, good, good. I was afraid it was going to be five when I pressed pause. <laughs> right? It feels like you have already had so much. How could there possibly be more? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think that's one of my big picture reactions to the episode, but also to the way um, Star Wars television is developing, the way this sort of shared Mandoverse of mm-hmm. interconnected shows is developing is just uh, no holds barred, right? Um, yeah. There, there doesn't seem to be anything that's like, let's not, you know, that's too sacred. Let's not play with that, right? Uh, the technology seems to be moving forward. Uh, there just really seems to be this overall spirit, which I think is is very George Lucas of not going like, well, why? But why not? If these ideas yeah. connect, if they uh, spark joy, <laughs> yeah. if they um, if they interconnect in uh, thematic ways. Uh, then why not? Just no holds barred. I think that was my big uh, uh, takeaway. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, it's fun uh, on, on the surface, and it's fun on, on with with the depth that they're getting into on some of the stuff. Big the themes that we're going to discuss, but the, the lessons of attachment. It's uh, uh, so in your face. It's it's fun to explore. And then yeah, just the big the big why not? And I think. Um, I don't. I, I time. I'm definitely over the years, I wouldn't call myself a, a precious Star Wars fan who who holds on to the sacred cows too long. I, I, I. But sometimes it's weird. You know, I had that thought of while I was watching this. I was like, wait, this is all right. This is this is a TV show. Uh, could something like this have done happen in a movie? And I actually, I don't really think five years ago you couldn't have done this. The tech clearly is uh, leaps and bounds of ahead of where it was even last year, right? So, and they're finding the ways to do it. And I just think, yeah, now that you do this more and more. Um, we're going to praise a lot of the tech around Luke, I'm sure. But I got to tell you, I think the Cad Bane tech was even better. <laughs> it looked, it felt, and it just uh, gave you shivers. So uh, I, all of it, if you can do it, let's try it. Yeah, no, Luke uh, did a great big force leap uh, far away from the Uncanny Valley for me, like mm-hmm. huge I- advancement. Uh, and then on the other side of it, so, so like to me, this episode had a kind of a, a vibe of two halves the same way last week did with yeah. the kind of the armor and, and Pelly being these two uh, contrasting figures. And uh, this week felt the same way in lots of different ways of these kind of twin stories. But in, in terms of like the technology mm-hmm. of how c- can we present these things? Is it physically possible? Like yeah. Luke was so far from me from the Uncanny Valley that I just felt all the 
the peace and the purpose and the kindness and the warmth. And then I, I will never look at Cad Bane again without whispering to myself nightmare fuel. <laughs> like, right. I had to like go like, right. This is for kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Any child watching this, I think is going to have nightmares and say any, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like it, the, the contrast between them that they're both executed so well and one brought such warmth and humanity. And one made me just want to, nuke him from orbit to be safe because he's so terrifying was fascinating yeah so good the the, the mouth uh, i kept, kept calling him the space uh mouth of sauron uh, um, uh i just wonderful stuff yeah i just love the and i know a lot of yeah, practical i want i love i i do want to see the magic of how they pulled that off uh, but it, they pulled it off and that was oh, the yeah. thing they pulled it off yeah they very very much will um i do want to just directly address we talked about it a little bit last week when you had the surprise that uh, this was that last week was a real uh dinjarin interlude uh we talked a lot about how we thought the the journey that both din and boba fett were on were connected how it was uh continuing to build up this idea that the people of tatooine have intrinsic value uh, so that it is really connected to the overall show how did you feel this week that we had these sort of um twin stories but still a, a, a very little boba fett i'm really okay with it but 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 to, i start from the point of i i like i said last week i do miss boba fett like boba fett tomorrow morrison boba fett i miss seeing him uh i miss seeing him on, on the screen so i get it and i get the questions i think it's one of those why is it called book of boba fett and we've barely seen him i assume some wonderful jokes y'all got wonderful jokes out there about boba <laughs> fett and everything just great just great hit the stage um but here's where i land on it at the end of the day just we're going to Thematically, not only does it connect, it all flows into what will be the finale. And it's all part of the book of Boba Fett. All of this is flowing into what we believe will be this final stand or this next stand or this next chapter. I think it flows nicely and there's valuable lessons along the way that are taking from what we've already learned in the first four chapters and, and continuing it without a doubt, without a doubt. But beyond that, and this is sometimes Ken gets grumpy. It's like I sit down at a bar and someone's over there going, why, why is it, why is it called Book of Boba Fett? And I just go, here, here's a, here's a drink from the week way. <laughs> this is Star Wars. And this is not like we tuned into the series finale of Seinfeld and the cast of Friends was there. This right. is not that. This is Star Wars. And this is the big galaxy. And the emotional canon's there. The threads are there. The lore is there. Uh, it's all the same stew. All right. And I, for me, that's where I, I really thought that at the end of the episode, because I, you know, I, I, again, I miss Boba Fett, uh, but it's all working for that. And at the end of the day, when seven chapters are in your lap, you're not going to worry about that too much. It's all Star Wars. Yeah, no, I, I really like this, including your your wonderful uh, sitcom analogy. Uh, mm -hmm. We should maybe shift from making all of our food analogies to uh, <laughs> making sitcom analogies. Uh, yeah, I think for me, this is really just a uh, engage with what you're presented with. I really understand that people uh, say it was called Book of the Boba F Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I want you know to read the tin. It says Boba Fett. I want to open up the tin. I want to see Boba Fett. I really understand that concern but for me it's like do you want to stay in that place of being frustrated about it or do you just want to enjoy what's in the tin and for me uh you know what's in the tin is like a million dollars <laughs> so i'm not going to complain about the tin that a million dollars came in uh, and what i mean by that is i think the storytelling is great i think it is uh absolutely overlapping i think the journeys that all these characters are going through um 
Grogu, Cobb Vanth uh, in particular. Those are the two characters with choices in front of them this episode. But also uh, Ahsoka and Luke and Din, uh, all of their journeys have this great synergy, this great energy, this great poetry with what Boba Fett personally has been going through. And this episode in particular, this was absolutely continuing the story of the show Book of Boba Fett. It's like, you know, Boba Fett is the spine. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we got to see these other limbs. But there was so much, we'll talk about this when we get into the big themes, but there's so much about the people of Tatooine matter. And that's one of the big ideas that's being uh, developed about the power of the group, that you need a tribe. Uh, so it's yeah. it feels to me like on a thematic level, this is absolutely the same show. Uh, different players are are taking the stage. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, again, we haven't seen the next chapter, but it, it again, it's, it, I've, I've heard, hey, it's like a comic book one-off. It's, uh, hey, anthology series. I don't even think that's all accurate. I think that's all part of it because it, it is, it is a piece. We are building these pieces. Each, these last two weeks, are building pieces up. Again, uh, do I miss Boba Fett? Yeah, but I got, I got one hell of a Boba Fett moment. I can't wait to t- discuss it. Uh, and I think it all is all going to come together nicely because it is pulling from it. It is connecting and it is there. You just have to connect with that. And, and it, again, at the end of the day, you're right. We got a big old heap and clam chowder of bowl of space chowder. <laughs> and, uh, you know, don't don't stop. Uh, don't stop on the surface. Dig in. And I'm, I'm saying that mostly to myself. I, I, I even going into this, this week, I was on a stream. And some people, like, do you think this will happen? This will happen? I was like, I don't know. I kind of just want to go hang out with Boba Fett. <laughs> that's that's a form of attachment. And I think this episode has some thoughts on attachment, Joseph. It most certainly does. It raises some questions and asks us uh, to raise some questions about attachment for sure. I also think this is just a matter of like, look, it, don't put up again. I get the, the the criticism of it's called Boba Fett. I I kind of you know uh, a, a general person might say I want it to be what it says it is, and I get that. But I think you can uh, either this is a your focus determines your reality moment. You can stay focused on that, or you can go oh. This is clearly what uh, Favreau and Filoni are doing. They are they have characters who are interconnected in a same era of time, dealing with some similar issues, and their shows are going to overlap, good, bad, or otherwise. That is the truth. <laughs> yeah. You you can't control it. You can't change it. Do you want to embrace it or not? And do you want to ignore all of the wonderful things to concentrate on the negative? For me, that's a big, just, that's the truth. That's what they're doing. It's okay if you like it or don't like it, but Mm -hmm. accept it for what it is. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. That's, yeah, that's where I'll I'll take my sip of my space whiskey and lead that conversation. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Talking about big picture things, I also want to go back to something you said about it feeling like Clone Wars. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Clone Wars absolutely has a spine, I think, you know, beginning and end about uh, Soka's journey, about the clone's journey. But through that, we learn a ton about Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda and Jar Jar, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and other characters. So I think Clone Wars has a spine, but it has lots of limbs. It's got an anthology feeling. When I was watching this and going like, okay, don't worry that it's that it's called Book of Boba Fett, except that this is a part of this Mandoverse, uh, for lack of a better term. In this episode in particular, Almost felt to me like um, like watching, definitely watching Clone Wars, but also um, like watching an episode of Twin Peaks, which is mm-hmm. Twin Peaks was structured as a soap opera. Or, you know, I've in my life watched actual soap operas. This yeah. seemed like 
a serialized story with many overlapping characters. I felt like there were multiple cliffhangers, some that were meant to be answered in the book of Boba Fett show and some that will be answered later (laughs) in other shows with other titles. I felt like the patron saint of this episode was Maz Kanata popping up and going, that's a good question for another time. <laughs> uh, tune in next week. I spent several summers watching Guiding Light every day at two o'clock. So I'm with you in there. And yeah, when I say Clone Wars too, I think you're right. You touched on a lot of the things that it makes it, makes, makes it feel like that for me. Uh, but doing the Clone Wars report now, the last couple of years here in Force Center, just spending more time with those episodes and what they present. It's not just the felony of it all. It's the weird, wild Star Wars wonder of it all of spider droids building a hut, uh, a planet you don't quite know yet. Um, uh, a dusty a stranger shows up on a dusty plane. Like all those guys, it's so Clone Wars in the best of ways for me that a few years ago, I've always been a Clone Wars fan, but I had that kind of like, yeah, yeah, I like the Clone Wars. But I, 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 spending so much time with the last couple of years, it's starting to become some of my, the, I don't want to say favorite Star Wars content, the most rewarding Star Wars content. And this episode had that feel for me where I, I'm still thinking about it and not the action, but like what it was trying to tell me or ask me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, it is a little bit of that why not let's play spirit where like the philosophy as we analyze the Clone Wars, like the philosophy about big Star Wars ideas uh, about attachment and war and pacifism mm-hmm. and uh, all in the, the the corruption of uh, systems, like um, all sorts of I- ideas. The philosophy is very consistent. But then the surface is like, why not? Right. This felt like this episode felt like uh, the tradition of Lucas saying, yeah, uh, turns out Darth Vader built thre- 3PO because why not? Uh, yeah, Maul came back and he survived on hate. Why not? Chewie and Yoda are friends. Why not? You know what? Turns out Luke and Leia are siblings. I like that. Let's go. Like yeah. the that sense of why not? I You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Uh, last thing that I really wanted to mention is just like the, the amazing number of cliffhangers. Like this, uh, going back to those roots of Star Wars being an adventure serial. Like, if it ended, uh, like, you know, the uh, the the Batman 66 show used to have uh, the two par- parters in the first episode would end with like a series of questions of you know, will Batman and Robin escape this explosive ice cream? You know, <laughs> and it goes on and on. Right. It, like mm-hmm. I almost imagined a voiceover with like, how did Grogu escape Order 66? <laughs> will Cobb Vant live? Will Luke see Ahsoka again? What will Grogu choose? How did Luke get Yoda's blade? Will Fett rally Tatooine to defeat the Pikes? Who is really responsible for slaughtering the Tuscans? Is it Cad? Like, I just felt like there were so many ideas that were thrown out there for us to be excited about. And I feel like some of them are meant to be answered in this final chapter of the book of Boba Fett. And some are going to be spiraling out to all these other shows. The biggest question, you didn't touch on it, Joseph. So we got to discuss it now here. Um, did Max Rebo expo- uh, survive another explosion or was he even there? <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I, I I was so busy being distraught about that astromech drummer <laughs> that I did a scrub this morning. I was like, it, can, I'm trying to see Max Rebo. I'm running out of time. There was no clear shot. There was no clear shot. There was no. God, I, this show has made us Max Rebo conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. Was, yeah. I got to tell you, I'm just. That was literally my first thought. For sorry, first thought was oh Garza. Second thought was Rebo, Rebo, so Rebo, Rebo, get him out of the, that poor Chad Rafan is extremely effective. We'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I keep saying last thing. There are just two things yeah. I want to make sure I mention up up top. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll talk so much about Luke, but 
I, I wanted to ask you, I was really, really moved by Luke. It was really thrilling for me to see Luke in uh, The Return. Uh, I loved seeing him use the power of a Jedi and use the force, use that lightsaber, you know, to cut down those droids in service of saving someone. But even in The Return, what I was most moved by is here's my Jedi hero who who hears a call for a child in need and, and, and they come. But this Luke slowly, tenderly turning over his hand, closing his eyes and gently reopening them exactly the way he does in Return of the Jedi when yeah. he uh, lifts 3PO. Uh, in yeah. some ways, like, that's my power fantasy. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the, I, I don't want to be like, that's my Luke because that has negative baggage, but that's yeah. a part of the Luke that really moves me. And uh, it was so moving. It, were you yeah. affected by like that side of Luke, the side that's just like, I have massive amounts of power and it can be used in these peaceful, gentle ways. Yeah, yeah. You can't wait to get into it. And, and, and big questions in front of him, Luke, the character. I, I mm -hmm. love that he's still learning. He's still and always going to be, right? And we, and we and and I'm obsessed with where we end up with it, right? With The Last Jedi of it all. Love that we go there. Love that that's where we get it. And I love spending time with, um, there's a lot of whimsy, a lot of wonder, a lot of peace in uh luke in these moments um and 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 the measure I mean, this made me think a lot of some of my favorite luke is that battlefront 2 level we've talked about it a lot mm -hmm. um on 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 uh, uh pilio there I, I i and it's made me think of that and and um yeah so so whether or not i was uh, tears down my face or not i had a big smile on my face to be honest yeah yeah you know it, it was uh well i'm glad that you were smiling <laughs> yeah yeah just, uh, you know, and I'll, get to, I'll tell you, well, but like when he, when he's walking with Grogu and he's lifting him up, other than just, uh, cute, it just was like, that was a good look, man. That was a good spot. That was a good moment. Yeah. I mean, that was maybe one of my favorite things that, that I have seen in Star Wars. The, 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 <laughs> the force leap assist. My, oh, geez. I can't even, I can't even. It's so amazing. So amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, that's plenty of big picture. Let's get into the details. Let's really talk about the, the big themes at stake, what ideas were at stake in this episode. And I'm sure we'll inevitably, in the process of discussing that, share a lot of our feelings about how the individual ideas in this chapter relate to this much bigger picture of Book of Boba Fett and the whole Mandoverse. So, Ken, where do you go? Um, I love this part of the show, by the way. I put the, the golf ball on the tee, and then Joseph grabs the driver, and we are off onto the course, man. We're playing <laughs> we're playing the back nine. I love this part. We're uh, whacking. Uh, yeah, um, I'm usually with a sandwich. Um, here we go. Uh, you know, so so obviously, like, attachment, right? And, and I literally put in my notes, but of course. I mean, they say this, that, and there's some great stuff. You already mentioned some stuff there about armor, protection. We're going to get to that. And and the, and it's, it's kind of this true path to loyalty and solidarity and attachment. But here's where I just kind of listed what I viewed as – some of the attachments and some of the ones that are so obvious. Yeah. I can't wait to explore Din to Grogu. Yeah. Literally. That's like why, why we're here. Uh, but then it's you know, Grogu to Din, Grogu to perhaps his fear. Fa I'm fascinated with the idea of Luke's like, do you, do you want to go home? And Grogu's like, okay. And home is the Jedi temple during or 66, this big point of trauma. Um, Cause I, for a second thought, Oh, are we going to have like a, 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 like, you know, a version of Yoda town? <laughs> Oh, you were going to see Yoda's planet, Yothon, that we have randomly yes. decided that's what it might be called? Yeah. Uh, no. And he goes, and so he's attached to certain things around that. Obviously, uh, some other ones pop up. But the two, um, 
two big ones, uh, you know, the, the idea that, and, and they flow very nicely into to bigger themes in Star Wars, we'll discuss in a second, but Cobb Vanth and Freetown, as we uh, can confirm it's uh, still called and is called now, um, to their new way of life attached to themselves and how that applies to all of us and how attachment is sometimes viewed, uh, you know, I am attached to Joseph as a podcast partner. I, I love that guy. I'm attached to him, but it's not about that. It's not about that attachment. It's, it's, it's beyond that about, um, you know, uh, you're attached to your daily routine, attached to your successes, attached to how you approach life and all that's kind of good. And there's a balance between attachment and contentment that I want to get into. But how that's that's kind of what Din's asking them. Like, I know I'm asking for a favor. I'm asking you to get involved and be connected, which is a big Star Wars theme. But in this moment, I'm asking you to get over your attachment to what you have now and to accept something forward and to move forward and that's change and growth and then plugging in. I, I, I broke it down to that level. And then on the other day, Luke has attachments to his ideas of, of teaching and what he wants. And I think it's a great moment for him to put uh, some of the, it's not just him putting the, the choice of, of, uh, you know, the choices in front of Grogu. That's a choice for Luke. Mm-hmm. He's very, you can be my first student. I'm building this thing. Ahsoka says, Oh, Grogu's going to be the first student. Luke has a thought. He's attached to the way he thinks this should go. And he's, battling that because he feels this thing he feels this thing in his heart you know i don't know his heart's in it we know that later on in his life he's going to feel something else about a student in their heart so I, i'm just obsessed with attachment as related to those bigger concepts uh, i think this is all absolutely great stuff i, I think yeah attachment is, is such a big theme um that i want to dive deep into all the different people who have attachment and uh yeah. i think how uh this idea of attachment is uh built into grogu's choice about mandalorian or jedi what does the armor symbolize what does the mm-hmm. saber symbolize uh how all that stuff reacts uh interacts i think for me um when i started thinking about this episode definitely i want to talk about attachment mm-hmm. <laughs> uh you know defense um and armor and what that means uh, this, you know, need to keep uh, one another safe, uh, y- yeah. your loved ones safe. Um, everything you're saying about Cobb that I think is is so in Freetown, so um, filters into this uh, idea that's been being built up in Boba Fett so much of the the power of the group, you know, uh, yeah. and the great Star Wars theme of, uh, of symbiosis of what happens to one of us affects the rest. But I felt like kind of all of it was framed by this idea of choice, like, structurally i thought the episode kind of had two halves it had uh the sort of the peace and the purpose and the resolve of the the jedi planet and luke and grogu and ahsoka and din all having their hearts in the right place and trying to find the way forward and even the music is soft and and meditative on the jedi planet and then on the other hand you have war is coming to tatooine and they can't stop the war from coming. They can only respond to it. The choice is being made by the pikes. Yes. And on the other side, it's it's horror and fear and it's ominous. And it's so striking when we leave the Jedi planet and uh, we go back to, uh, to Tatooine, the music is low and ominous. When you listen with headphones in, there's like a heartbeat mm-hmm. to the back of it when Din is landing uh, back on Tatooine. And I feel like these kind of two halves structurally are about choice. Uh, the two characters really being presented with choice are Grogu and Cobb Vanth. Yeah. Everybody's wrestling with uh, attachment and uh, past trauma and, and all these things, but it's Grogu and Cobb Vanth who are actively being asked to make a choice in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just love the way it, it, that is uh, teed up. It's uh, playing on a lot of the storytelling that's already happened in these shows about Ahsoka 
answering Din's question that the reason that she's okay with Luke uh, training Grogu is exactly what she said (laughs) in the previous season of take him to Tython. And if he wants help, he will call out and and her just saying, uh, I'm okay with uh, Luke training him uh, because it was his Grogu's choice. I don't control the wants of others, which was great. Uh, Of course, Luke offers that choice uh, to Grogu. And I think it's such a great evolution of the character of the show uh, that Din doesn't have any transaction with Cobb Vanth. It's even talked about how they're square, you know? So Din doesn't barter. He doesn't threaten. He doesn't trade. He doesn't exchange services. He asks a favor and therefore gives a choice. I love that Din says there's no easy way to ask for a favor. So I feel like, you know, those pillars are Grogu's choice and Cobb Vance choice. And I feel like all the other big ideas that that you laid out really well that I want to discuss are kind of elements that are used to make these big choices mm-hmm. of who we want to be. Because all, all these symbols, there's these ideas of attachment, there's these ideas of fear and safety, but it comes down to choice. What is Grogu going to choose? What did Cobb Vance choose, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. We're with you on that journey. That's the the some of the bigger the bigger things that are prevalent. The the attachment, and all that stuff, are are the building blocks that are are literally pushing this story into everyone getting this choice and to get to get involved. Uh, I love uh, you're highlighting the Cobb Vanth one because uh, on my second or third view, and I got up early this morning to watch it again. <laughs> and, and, um, he he's presented with that choice and seems to, uh, I'll see what I can do is a pretty weak answer, right? Like some, a friend asked me, Hey, can you, can you, can you come over this weekend? I say, I'll see what I can do. Uh, that means, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, he gives that to Din, but then when Cobb Van, or when, 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 uh, Cobb Van faces down, uh, Cad Bane, he, he has a line in there that to me is a choice. Tatooine ain't for sale. And, oh, oh Yeah. Yeah, and and he pays at least in this moment for the choice. Is he alive? Is he dead? Uh, there's been some great back into the left freeze framing of that shot. I've already seen it. But, um, <laughs> it's pretty high up. It's pretty high. Pretty high up. up. Pretty high up. I don't think Cad Bane misses is 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 one thing for me. Is why I'm putting a little bit money uh, my money on dead. But it also, you know, until you you hear that last breath. Hold on. But you know what I mean? So I love that. So I love that. It's it because it, this whole episode armor and choice. That's how this starts, right? This whole episode starts with, uh, you know. Think it through. Think it through. <laughs> Make a choice. Make yeah. A choice. I feel like I feel like Cobb made a pretty clear choice when he is talking to the wonderfully named character that I want an action figure of, Weequay Bartender. Um <laughs> uh, when when he says, uh, you know, the Weequay Bartender has that really under, understandable, like we've built our community, we've defended it against everything. You, you got a new scar from something, Cobb. Let's just take care of our own, right? Totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And Cobb says, gather everybody. And, you know, when I tell them, we'll see. I feel yeah. like that's really clear. Like, uh, I already see the truth of what Din is saying is uh, what happens on one part of Tatooine affects all of us. And mm-hmm. I haven't told anybody that I chased off those pikes and I know Din is right. And I know we need to fight and I'm going to give that choice to my community. I feel like Cobb has already made the choice and then he's going to call a meeting to offer it to the community. And that shot of the weak way bartender's face, look as Cad Bane left. Uh, I think that weak way bartender 
made his effing choice. <laughs> yeah, w, w. Earl Brown's going to grab his Deadwood guns and head to the. Yeah, no, I love. I started to clap because I. Yeah, I love that too. It's like it's like he was so clearly withholding information, right? When Din says, "Yeah, the Pikes," and he's kind of like, yeah, "We're good as long as I'm here." In the back of his head, he's like, "Oh, I can't, I can't deny this anymore." And he went, went "Yeah, yeah, exactly." Get 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 the townsfolk together. But the fact that he doesn't say. Freetown's not for sale. Mos Pelgo's not for sale like he is in the beginning of the episode, right? I mean, it's so mm-hmm. clear. Yeah, this is ours. The rest is Mos Espa. Who the hell knows what goes on in Mos Eisley? This is ours. And now Tatooine, the, the name Tatooine. And so to take to follow through, uh, you know, that path of choice uh, at 11. And, and it is. It's built on the other things. And, and, and to go back quickly, just you know, my attachment thing is, 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 like I said, we often become attached to what we are and what we've become and, and hold on to it when opportunities uh, to change come. And that's what I'm saying. This idea that, you know, it me- you have to measure attachment versus commitment and like you said it's understandable hey we stood up for ourselves we're, we're free town now we even have new branding and they have <laughs> we got that. t-shirts we're not yeah. giving that up we made t-shirts there's no harm in liking where you are in life especially if you earned it and they earned it we've become become attached to it and your ideas of how it all should be you're putting your fear in front of your feet to me and and i think that was all on display right there with good old w earl brown the weak way proprietor and the whole gang beautiful beautiful stuff there at uh, the choice of cup man yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, I, I just want to dive in for a second here on this idea of the, the power of the group, um, because I think it has been so mm-hmm. set up. It, I think it relates to what you're talking about. I think it's been so set up by the journey that Boba Fett has gone on. This is one of the big things that it's all tied together, right? Yep. That uh, Fett comes out of the the Sarlacc broken and alone. He finds community. He learns the value of, uh, you know, connection is strength uh, with the Tuscans. And then he has been uh, putting his uh, money in his blaster where his mouth is, right? He's been building a connection with uh, Fennec, with the Gamorians, with the Mods, with Chrysanthemum. Uh, this goes back to Garce's speech about uh, things, uh, you know, changing. Um, so there's so much about uh, connection, about classic Obi-Wan, you know, symbiont circles. Uh, but there's so much also going on within that, in this, uh, in these people building connections is the, uh, the sort of audacity to build something new. Like mm-hmm. the empire has fallen and everything we're seeing is about building the new, Right. Luke school is literally being built. There's literally that, like everybody's got that, like we know this didn't go well before, but let's, Mm -hmm. let's try to escape the past and let's build something fresh. We got that with uh, Luke school. We have the imagery of those, uh, to me, ant like droids working in harmony to literally build something. Uh, We've got Luke's little lesson to, to Grogu. It's, it's not one frog. It is many frogs in a community, right? Yep. <laughs> Even yep. the frogs are supporting this theme. And then that that sense of newness, right? I feel like, I love what you're saying about being attached to what they know in uh, Freetown. Yeah. But to me, it's also like almost attachment to like what they just built. Like mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of their traditions are like, yeah, this is how we survive on this land. We've lived here for a long time. Everybody here knows one each other. Our kids go to the same school. There's all that sort of old. But there's also like, we have reclaimed a sense of uh, uh, identity and power to the point where we've renamed our, our city, right? Right. Um, and that, that ties into me with like everything about the sanctuary and how sad it was that it was bombed is that there's that attitude of like, this isn't a dive for yeah. a crime to happen. And maybe, maybe some uh, payments will be made. <laughs> it's a gambling establishment. Maybe some, uh, some uh, retirement funds are being drained, but like yeah. to go to, to Garza's speech mm. about like, this is a new time, you know, 
uh, I think it's a, a Cobb who says like, you know, this planet has seen enough violence. Mm-hmm. There's the, the power of the group, all these people coming together, but it is all sort of in this, like, we are trying to build something new. And the, the bad guys, the Pikes are, we're trying to keep it the same as it always was. You know, mm-hmm. we've got our criminal empire that runs the way it is. And we're trying to take your town. Um, if everybody's building something new by connecting, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Din and Cobb coming to this understanding that what happens to one community on Tatooine will happen to them all. You know, the Pikes have hired Cad Bane to isolate people, right? Yeah. To say, don't join together. Don't join with Boba Fett. The bad guys are isolation and the good guys are uh, symbiosis and connection. Yeah, it's, 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 it's echoing some of our Rise of Skywalker conversations about what you were doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, that that's where you got to stay or what you are now. Even the conversation with Danny Trejo and the Rancor, right? If for mm-hmm. Cad Bane to show up and yeah, it, it, just a great scene. I, I got to say, that's one of my favorite Star Wars scenes in a while, that whole show down there. But for him, what, what does he do? What does he do? Oh, you got, you don't, do you know the truth about Boba Fett? Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He can't change. He can't change. Can't change. And what are you, spice runner? What are you? What are you, stormtrooper? What do you? That's that's a big Star Wars thing. I'm Lando. I'm old. I can't fly. I can't join the fight. Come on, let, and I, that that keeps coming back. And, and again, and, and I think you're right. Yeah, and and I, you know, I, I say like I, I'm proud of the people of Freetown. Like it, it's a it's a fine line, attachment and contentment. But but the, the connecting the bigger thing and, and this idea of how do you? I, I I wrote down how do you protect yourself? And I think uh, you might look more. You you were talking even off air about armor, right? Armor armor comes all the way through this down to mm-hmm. you got the little mithril chain mail and then and then uh, jokes about armor i'm a little more careful you should have saved your armor how do you protect yourself and isolationism is not the way in this in this scenario here yeah no i mean i think in some ways it's it's presenting the idea possibly that you know connection and working together is a is a kind of armor yeah uh that that this community of tatooine needs uh, to, to face the threat of the pikes. Um, do you want to dive into that, this idea of, uh, of how do you protect yourself? Yes, you um, get a lightsaber and armor and you combine them. I'm saying you combine <laughs> them. No, yes. yeah, you got to have both. Yeah, I, I think this is another thing that just really, to me, connected the choices that Cobb and Grogu are making. It's They, they, are, they are both about uh, armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, literally, they're both about being defensive. Um I love that Cobb is, you know, very much presented as the defender of Freetown. Again, you know, fresh scar and all. That's what he does. He defends this town. Uh, And when we we track back to his previous story, he gave up his armor to defend Freetown, right? That's the deal he made to save the town from the dragon, right? And then you can look at that as like, well, that's a selfless act that is for the betterment of everybody. But it personally made Cobb more vulnerable. And now he's been injured and or killed, uh, depending on your opinion, in your freeze frame, <laughs> <laughs> and even taunted uh, by mm-hmm. Cad Bane about it, of you should have never given up your armor. So this mm-hmm. idea of uh, armor definitely can protect you, but is it a selfless act to give it up? Is it is it that is that what's required of you to allow yourself to be vulnerable for the betterment of others? Mm. Yeah, uh, love it there. Also, I wanted to pause here. Uh, Wikipedia has, calls Cobb Vanth an elderly man who confronts the Pikes. Can we please, <laughs> someone change that? And Thomas recording, 
get in there and change that. Um, yeah, uh, healthy, strapping, <laughs> middle-aged man yeah. who just rocks the color red. I'm going to enter a Wikipedia and change that. <laughs> yeah, the bikes are confronted by a man who rocks the color red. We need that on Wikipedia. Shout out to <laughs> love the work of Wikipedia and their editors. And um, and just in case anybody uh, is uh, screaming at the podcast, uh, you, you when you listen with the subtitles on, uh, the townspeople are yelling, you know, is he breathing? Get a stim pack. Uh, get stims. Get a med pack. Get him inside. I feel like that is to say, like, he's at least going to live long enough to have a death scene. Yeah. Oh, you know, I did. Okay. I didn't. Uh, is that what they actually said? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll ta- I'm going to take some of my money off of de- dead. <laughs> I'll slide some of it over to injured. <laughs> and then you can uh, screw with it real. Anyway, sorry. I sidetracked the conversation a little bit about what you're saying there, but, um, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Cad Bane and the armor, and and how you get there, and and again, yeah, I, I feel like I, I don't want to feel like I attack the people of Freetown like they're like, nah, we're not changing. Like they've earned it, they've earned this, and and but it's it's it, it's it's such a vulnerable state when you have Cobb Van saying, as long as I'm here, it's good, and then well, oopsie, I'm not here right now. So yeah, and the new guy's dead. And the new guy's dead. I yeah. think pretty pretty for sure. Nobody even checks on him. <laughs> no one's checked on him. Uh, sh- shout out to the stunt coordinator, by the way. Uh, this show is employing, uh, uh, putting more stunt people in front of the camera, and I love it. I'm here for it. Um, so, yeah, great stuff on, on that on that side there, too, and how, and how it, uh, it's just this, this theme of armor. And, and Luke's saying it, too, right? This galaxy is a dangerous place, Grogu. I will teach you to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that that's what I thought was so great and why this like, yeah, I might be uh, frustrated. It's like it's called Book of Boba Fett. And, and now there's just like a, a sub story where where Dengar gets a random bounty like but that's not what's going on. What's These are so connected. Uh, yeah. Luke's stated motivation to help Grogu is to teach him to defend himself. He's he said that in the rescue. He made that clear again in this. I will teach you uh, to protect yourself. As you just saw, we, we see uh, Grogu's Order 66 trauma that feels to mm-hmm. me. Like he, his memory of it is he was being defended and the armor that was those other Jedi fell and he's living in that moment of feeling armorless and feeling something coming at him. We'll obviously uh, see the rest of the story, but in terms of just kind of the emotional impact of that memory is, uh, is about being armorless, right? Uh, Din, we'll talk more about, even more about attachment, but on a practical level, it just kind of can't bear the thought of Grogu being in danger you know and saying i just want to make sure he's safe it feels like it's about attachment it's about tradition it's about uh what grogu's cultural (laughs) right is but it's also just about uh, put this on him in case a blaster bolt comes his way right um please yeah yeah and even even ahsoka reflects this that great line of there is no place in the galaxy more safe that uh than here Mm -hmm. with luke and uh, and didn't say, well, either way, this armor will protect him. <laughs> There's just a lot of uh, focus on uh, protecting Grogu. Uh, is he vulnerable or not? Um, yeah. I also feel like uh, this protection in defense and armor idea it ties back to to Boba Fett. The the goal of uh, Fett and friends <laughs> is to protect yeah. the planet, protect the people uh, from the Pikes. From we got that from Pelimoto that the people are being literally terrorized. Uh, I think there's definitely a, we don't want hop, everybody hopped up on spice. I think that is definitely running yeah. through here. Uh, the fact that we start the uh, the episode with the previously on that has Fett saying, you know, your your establishment will be fine under my watchful eye. And then, no, it's oh. not. There's a there's a failure to protect there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it it raises all these great questions about the idea of armor, of like, is armor protection and defense which seems 
practical and you can look at poor Cobb Vanth getting shot and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you had armor, great. Or is there some element of it that is hiding, that it is closing yourself off from a uh, risk, maybe physical risk, but certainly like emotional risk and connection. Like when the episode is this much about armor and choosing it or not, or what happens when you lose it, the fact that Din and Grogu's relationship has been formed by Din being willing to take his helmet off just to connect, just to feel Grogu's hand on his cheek. And this whole story of Boba Fett, he's come back to his armor, but the journey he went on is he lost this armor. He felt vulnerable. He felt stripped down to just the core of what he is. And that journey brought him connection with the Tuscans in this lesson of connection that's rippling out. So is this, is there an idea that losing armor is terrifying, but maybe necessary for growth? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and 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 being more careful, <laughs> whatever Cobb's advanced line is. Yeah, everything you're saying is wonderful because I, I think it. This goes back to the question of why is this the book of Boba Fett? And I think if uh, you know, and I don't claim to know John. I do love getting tweets of people who who think that they've hung out with John at Cafe One Hundred One and talked about his writing process. I have not, but <laughs> I think when you're putting together a show and you're like, hey, this is going to end with a confrontation with the Pikes, perhaps. Again, we haven't seen Chapter Seven. We don't know, um, but that's. Definitely where it's building, right? The storm is coming uh, and, and the storm's breaking there. Uh, if you're starting with that, like, all right, cool. We're getting this big final confrontation. It's Boba Fett on the throne fighting with the Pikes for the, you know, for Tatooine, but more so, hey, we want Boba Fett is not here to take Tatooine. He's here to protect it. How do we build to that? And you go back to chapter one and we're building to that and we're showing everyone's involvement in that and the themes that build upon each other that just flow into this idea. And I think we're going to get even more of that answer next week. Uh, and some of these things of, of how best to protect yourself and how best to protect those around you and how to connect. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really great that Boba Fett has developed this idea that he doesn't want to be leader because there's better food. There's even a joke about that. He doesn't yeah. He doesn't want the trappings. He doesn't like, I need a better parking spot for my ship. Uh, it, it is about uh, the leadership that I have experienced is just constant pointless death. And mm -hmm. I want to avoid that. You know, so is the idea for him is like, uh, my armor isn't about me. I, I want to be the armor that protects this planet. You know, will we get back to a point of uh, Boba Fett needing to make himself vulnerable in order to save others? I feel like that's where some of these ideas might be building. Uh, sorry. Yeah. You, uh, you made me gasp. Uh, uh, um, I, sorry. This isn't really what you necessarily meant. I still have this thought that Boba Fett's going to die, but uh, that's just me. I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I wrote that down to talk about on our next time because okay. I, 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 I hope he lives. I think that there is a lot of great possibility for him still to explore this Mandalorian side of himself when we're so clearly building to this question of what truly makes a Mandalorian. So I kind of hope he, I hope this is not a prediction. This is a hope. I hope he uh, survives in, protects Tatooine and hands it to whoever the right leader is. Cause I don't think he really cares about personally leading mm -hmm. Tatooine other than his uh, conviction uh, uh, to protect the people to maybe uh, give it back to the Tuscans <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as yeah, much as possible, sense. as much as they want. Uh, but that would be really interesting for him to say like, okay, I got this planet into a better place. Uh, now I can maybe be cajoled into doing the same thing for Mandalore or, or being a part of it, not being the leader, but being a part of that. That's what I hope. But I can also see thematically it building towards, uh, yep, taking off your armor makes you vulnerable, but it's what's necessary for growth. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And again, I'm not even saying that as a prediction. I just keep having that 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 that, that thematic thought. I get it. You know, I want, I want, and and I think we'll get Boba Fett riding into battle on a rancor, kicking ass. I think we'll get that. But what is the end of that? What is the purpose of that? What is the why of that? I keep just going back to that. So sorry, you made me go. Oh wait, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, I think I think Cad Bane. Um, you know, I, I think his his uh, he stated his purpose quite clearly of uh whatever's been going on with him and we'll talk about it in canon <laughs> or canon yeah. section he represents the anti boba fett the mm-hmm. the don't change um uh alex damon did a really great video uh, a couple of weeks ago i think now about uh the sort of uh storytelling importance of cad bane obviously thrilling to see him but i think alex is really onto a lot of great thoughts about what kind mm-hmm. of conflict that's going to make for boba fett when he's faced with somebody who was a mentor who represents not changing <laughs> yeah absolutely the past and the old way the cool bounty hunter that strolls into town the gunslinger and uh that, that ain't boba fett anymore and, you know yeah. and how many times have we all been there you, you go to your old friends and they're like oh this ain't me anymore <laughs> yeah i mean it happened to din last week um i, I want to talk a little bit more uh about uh attachment yeah i think you had some really great thoughts yeah. um i want to share some of my thoughts see if you have any more uh do you have more uh attachment uh thoughts a, a little bit about i wanted to get a little bit more into the luke stuff um um only that uh, you know he's still constantly learning i love that i love this about this episode i love that ahsoka you know and dave's always going to write ahsoka strong and i ain't got no problem with that at all uh i i like that she's she's preaching some really good stuff she's preaching the gospel and attachment here uh but her interactions with luke right and and they're great and and by the way i mean we'll talk to well in that canon like did they have they had that campfire conversation? They have to. Yes, we will, we will definitely talk about that. Put a pin in that one. But I love that Luke is. I'm not saying Luke is fearful and attached here, but just he has that question of, "Will I see you again?" And she's like, "Perhaps." Now, next time on Ahsoka, maybe we'll pick that threat up later on. Does Luke join for the fight for Thrawn? I don't know. At this point, I don't care. I just love this moment where even she's kind of like, "I you don't. I don't know. I can't answer that." Uh, if you want to hang out with me again, uh, you know, maybe we will. Uh, maybe there's something going on. Perhaps she's flowing. She's flowing the moment. She's not attached in any way, shape or form. And I kind of love that seeing that play in these episodes as she's kind of going around speaking to all our characters who are wrestling with certain kinds of attachment. Because, again, my big thing with Luke in this is he's teaching some valuable lessons to Grogu. But again, for him to make that choice, she says, go, you know, he, he says, my, I don't think his heart's in it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with him? I don't know. Follow your instincts. Trust your instincts. And so him going, here's your choice. I got this great piece of uh, memorabilia. Everyone wants this memorabilia. Or I got this, something in your past. And you you have to choose. Ah, man, it's such a painful choice. Um, but I think a little bit that's Luke letting go. Letting go of, of I found this, 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 there was a choice involved with this, uh, this creature, this character, this person, uh, this being calling me. But now there's another choice to be made, and I have to help with that choice. It's a choice for me, and I—that I, was the side, the side of the the attachment conversation. I was I really liked is is Luke's thought and process over it with it. Yeah, I, I really love everything you're saying there. I think you know Ahsoka is a, a, the royalty of compassion, right? Uh, she's yeah. always that's what the Clone Wars to me makes really clear that Ahsoka and Anakin have this great bond of they're both extremely compassionate, but Ahsoka can always find the ways in which she can make it about other people and, and overcome her, her fear that will lead to anger, that will lead to hate, and, and poor Anakin can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we're seeing a very compassionate Ahsoka, an Ahsoka who is indulging herself in the joy of seeing Anakin's son yeah. be this powerful, wise young man. You know, So it, it's not like she's like some cold fish, right? No. 
but she's very aware of the danger, you know, mm-hmm. of of the kind of attachment that uh, doesn't even necessarily lead to the dark side, yeah. but leads towards a different life. And I felt like that's a little bit what this was about. It is so uh, framed by the creeds of the Mandalorian and the Jedi, which do overlap. Uh, they are about honor. They are about, you know, uh, working toward uh, what your goals are and, you know, um, having a uh, masters and uh, you know uh, you know leader mentors and foundlings uh, mm-hmm. jedi masters and padawans uh and there is an idea of compassion at the core of both of them yeah. uh, but they're very very different uh and i feel like that's a part of what we're being asked to uh consider like i think the stuff with with din's attachment is great because it's very traditional it, ahsoka <laughs> gives him every chance to figure it out for himself <laughs> and then just like ah, Din Djarin, you have watched no Star Wars, so I will spare it out, spell it out crystal clear. Are you doing this for Grogu? Or are you doing this for yourself? The classic yeah, yeah. compassion is wonderful. Attachment is not inherently bad. Yeah. But is your need for this other person because you truly care about their well-being or is it that you need this person the way Anakin stopped thinking about Padme and only was thinking about his need for Padme? He needed Padme to be safe from a fate that maybe wasn't even going to happen. And, yeah. and Din is in a little bit of that same place of like, uh, is he passing on tradition? Is he showing care to just make sure his, his little guy's okay? Or does he need to be, need Grogu to be safe for himself? You, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you highlighted that line. Are you doing this for Grogu? Are you doing the, uh, doing this for yourself? I think that's one of those, a wooga, a wooga core of star Wars. We talk about attachment. Uh, I want to have this, I want to deliver this line to my, mom you know parents um, yeah overprotectiveness all that kind of stuff which always comes from a good spot but why why are you doing it and we always focus on the idea attachment has a lot to do and it does have a lot to do with letting go but i think a lot of this episode to me is the other side of that is when you let go what are you going to gain and i think that it's a big big star wars again a wooga wooga uh, George Lucas logo pops up of what attachment when we're wrestling with attachment and that line is is just so plain and simple yeah I think it really a lot of it comes down to is attachment selfless or selfish right uh, and not even that you can't find joy but it, it, if it's if it's too selfish mm-hmm. uh, it will become corrupted right yeah. and I think Din's going through a classic like uh, Anakin problem of is he is he going to turn to some kind of violence uh, uh, based on this attachment if it is just selfish. I think that's still up for debate. Mm-hmm. What I love about Luke, what Luke's wrestling with in, in, in you know, making that good choice to say, I'm going to give Grogu the choice mm-hmm. um, is it's uh, Ahsoka raised it in, in her episode in the first season about we know what happens when people are too attached. So here's that specter of the dark side. Yep. But I also think it, he's just giving Grogu this choice of like, what kind of life do you have? It's almost more like the choice that Qui-Gon and Shmi gave to Anakin in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, it is, do you want to have this kind of life that you know uh, in this connection and spend time with the Mandalorian and, and be his son and be of his culture? Or do you want to commit to this Jedi way? Mm. And I didn't feel like it's about this like sort of coldness of you can't care about anybody. Mm. I felt like what was in the core of this is Luke trying to prevent Grogu from making the mistakes that Luke felt he personally made, right? Mm-hmm. I thought this was all about Luke saying to Grogu, like, let me tell you about a chapter in my life called The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> 
where I was torn between my friends and my commitment. Yoda, who I clearly adore, who you remind me of, told me that a Jedi must have the deepest commitment, the most serious mind. I didn't listen to that. I thought it was about swinging a lightsaber and being strong enough to, you know, kill people who are trying to hurt your friends. And, you know, it. it I, I understand now. And Luke's really got this commitment. I see that. I think that tracks through his appearance and return here. Uh, his his failure in or his pain in Last Jedi, the way Yoda kind of tries to absolve him of it, of like mm-hmm. he he didn't have the deepest commitment. He didn't have the most serious mind. And that's like I burned my hand on that stove and now I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> like th- this focus on being a Jedi just means like, well, maybe you can't always run to your your you can't always do what you want to do because you are serving something selflessly. You are serving something larger. You can't just be there for your friends because you're there for absolutely everyone. And you need to be where you need to be because that's the path that a Jedi is choosing. So it's not like it's bad to love. It's that if you choose this very intense selfless lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to respond to uh, what the needs of the galaxy, you know, the needs of others, the needs of uh, what the force is, is whispering in the wind uh, more so than I need to be over here. Luke isn't with, he's not, he's not running around having fun with uh, Han, you know, (laughs) you know, he's not, he's not building the new Republic with Leia. He's going and do, he's separated in doing what he needs to do. And he thinks that's the Jedi path. And I think he's offering Grogu, which do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to have fun with your, your buddy and have, connection and in safety or do you want to go down this very committed path i think there's a little bit of it looking at that frog scene which was great and and some great little comedy um where you know it's like you got this power you lift this one frog up and luke's like look there's all these frogs and that's not saying hey you could have all these for dinner (laughs) you know grogu might take it like that way but I, i saw it as like that's great you did that here's the full possible potential of what you could be and what you could do if you go this way. I love that you, you know, very clearly, uh, you know, you can attach this to the empire uh, scene, right. And the seagulls stop it, please video. It's all in there for you to connect to that. But, but what's there, what's in that scene on Dagobah and what's here. I, I, I really think you're right about that uh, of Luke taking from that particular chapter when he puts that choice down. Uh, it is, it is the force ghost Ben and Yoda going, wait, Luke, wait, it is that. And him learning uh, about that and putting that down in front of Grogu. And it's a, that's a huge choice. What a cliffhanger. Yeah. Amazing cliffhanger. And I, I love that it was uh, again by the previously on framed by that conversation about the Mandalorian creed in the Jedi differing, right? Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I was, I, 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 I was like, is this about the, the true path to loyalty and solidarity? Cause those are big, strong words that I, I, I know mean a lot to the Mandalorians and it's very true from their point of view, but what's the true path to that is one of the things I ask myself. Yeah. I mean, I think a little bit of it, you're making me think about it. The, the frog picture <laughs> is a, a frog hopped up into Grogu's uh, field of vision and he reacted to take something he wants. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead, Luke showed him this bigger picture of like, yep, you can just be uh, reactive to this one thing that comes into your field of vision and, and take it. Uh, but no. just be aware of how much bigger everything is. And, and for me, I think that is what's going on in the difference between the Mandalorian creeds and the Jedi. Of They they do overlap. And in some ways, they speak to, um, they're both about protecting others, right? Mm-hmm. But the Mandalorians seek to protect their own. 
right. uh, the traditional Mandalorian creed is about um, personal uh, aggrandizement through combat and conquest. Conquest, right? Mm-hmm. And the Jedi believe in, yeah, I think some amount of loyalty and solidarity and in, in defending uh, people, but they seek to selflessly protect everyone. Mm-hmm. I think it's about like limited picture yeah. of the Mandalorian saying, let's protect our group. Let's have loyalty and solidarity in our group. And when we see something we want, we believe it is the natural order of things that we have the power. We use it. We take it. Mm-hmm. And the Jedi are like, everything's in balance. Nobody take too much. I'm about protecting everyone. I'm about loving everyone, not just my, the people right next to me. Yeah. And, and we're, you know, if you're a member of the Mando Mercs out there and you, we're, we're not attacking the Mandos here. Uh, uh, this is, it's a powerful culture that uh, I can't wait to even get more of there. And, and it's similar to Freetown where like a lot of it's earned, a lot of it's, a lot of the attachment to that way of life is earned and I get it. Uh, but I was, I, I was reading a little bit of um, the Paul Duncan book, uh, Joseph, and I know you got your copy on the way, the Star Wars archives. Uh, uh, to 1997 to 2005 book. Uh, I, it's just so rewarding to go through this. And and, some, and and Paul Duncan sitting down with Lucas, and this is where that stuff that broke um, last year or two where, you know, ah, Lucas's uh, sequel trilogy was going to be Darth Maul and Darth Talon and everything. That's, this is that interview, right? But mm-hmm. from that interview, just very clear, and it's nothing, nothing new, right? We've heard this for years. You've watched these movies, engaged with it, but sometimes something just breaks out and you see it so clear. And here's George, and I'm not, I'm not even reading the quote, but George basically saying, yeah, Anakin made this deal with the devil, he made it simply because he went to the gods. It's it's all it's the river stick. It's all that mythology. He went to the gods for the help to protect the ones he loved. They said that's not the way. That's not we do it. So he goes to the devil to make this deal, and he gets this power. And every time he gets it, every time he gets more power, he loses more power down to the point where he is not even all man, and he can't even use the force as well as he could because it, his body's mostly machine. The force can't connect with that. And then even Palpatine's kind of bummed about the deal he got. Damn <laughs> Obi-Wan got in the way. This is from George. He doesn't say damn Obi-Wan, but he said, you know, even Palpatine's like, ah, this isn't, the, this isn't the, what I wanted. Ah, that son's going to be better when he learns about that. So, but the, the, the lesson in there and in, in listening to you talk about this choice in front of Grogu and the choice in front of the Mandalorians and the loyalty and solidarity is, is, is you're going to hold on to this power with might and you're going to do it to protect those you love. But you 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 you're losing as you gain you're losing as you gain you're losing and the Mandos uh, as just a people every time they've had an opportunity to branch outside themselves or do something different Satine maybe Bo Katan as we get more of that story I don't believe she's cursed uh, they mm-hmm. lose they lose they lose every time they try to defend in their own way which is their right they lose they lose and I'm not saying it's uh, not putting them uh, up up against the wall and saying you've done it wrong I'm just it is it is continued to it plays out here so that to highlight that you're so right the loyalty and solidarity and, and what that means for the Mandos but how you connect to the bigger the bigger galaxy. And yeah, Satine was uh, you know, pacifist. They didn't want to be part of that war. That's not what I mean. Um, the Jedi, commitment to all uh, uh, versus, all right, take this chain mail, take this little uh, you know, Gladriel made chain mail and go, and go meet up with, with, with Mando if that's your want. Um, but, but, you know, I'm not saying, <laughs> poor Grogu, you do that, but you're forsaking all. It's not that, it's a tough choice. But anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling because it's just, uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love that stuff at play in Star Wars. And, no. and it goes back to George and what he was saying and what's the point of it all. You know, you're bringing up great stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I, I shouldn't be just saying Mandalorian because I think what's at stake is there are different philosophies uh, among the Mandalorians that have been built up in all these Star Wars uh, stories, but are clearly at play in this Mandoverse between Bo-Katan and the Armorer. And I feel like uh, the, the 
Bo-Katan, in her sister before her, is willing to change, right? When Bo-Katan finds out that from her perspective, Din is one of those cult freaks from Children of the Watch. She isn't like, <laughs> get out of here. She's like, offers three more times. I could use your help. I bet you could use my help. Like, she's being a coalition builder, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's not being rigid. There, there, And yet there are things about the Mandalorian culture that she embraces. There are wonderful things about the Mandalorian culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, not, not painting with a broad brush that Mandalorian culture is bad. Mm-hmm. I think there's, huge amounts of great things in it the tradition of the armor the the power of family the power of found family uh, the power Mm -hmm. of art uh, with sabine um so much in in a great story of let's go back to our planet and see what what we can rebuild and make new again but the armor is different to me because she's a part of this uh creed that right now is about totally about loyalty and solidarity when they are diminished and on the run yeah. But I mean, what do you think? I think if if the armorer had a sufficient army, part of the old ways are we prove who we are by battle, by taking, you know, that people should have what they have the power to take. I think that's a part of her creed. And she's not focusing on it right now because right now she has a covert of two <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. she's been diminished, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I I, th- I think you and I keep edging towards just straight up calling the armor a villain, but hey, I think there's shades of gray. We'll find out more. And it's a great character, by the way. And Emily's, in, I, Emily's in, a fascinating character. And I understand yeah. why a character like that would retreat to the old ways will keep us safe. I think she's yes. a complex character and I think she's going to be I think she's a rigid character, and I think Bo-Katan is offering a better way to the future that the armor, in her rigidity, will simply not engage with. And in uh, superstition, in in my opinion, that, you know, maybe it was the Empire's overwhelming might that destroyed Mandalore, not a curse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, right. Facts is facts, and you ain't you ain't paying attention to them there, armor. Um, no, and and uh, and again, that's not a shot at, at traditions, and beliefs, or anything like that with the Mando. No, I think you're right. Again, the the the, the, the writings on the wall from from Paz Vizsla, uh, related to Pre Vizsla and House Vizsla and Death Watch and all the stuff, you know, hiding out on Concordia and all the stuff. As they like, go rewatch all those episodes. Watch what undercut Satine. It wasn't her. It wasn't a curse on her. It was those who would destroy her, and they did. So, uh, you know, leading up to to Maul as well. So, yeah, I'm with you on all that there. Yeah, and I, I guess to kind of bring it back to to, to Grogu's big choice. This all, uh, it's all sprung out of Grogu having to choose. But I mean, that's what's so great because it, it is, it's tied up in the these yeah. creeds and these cultures and and these hard choices. Like, but connection and wanting to help your friends is great we're talking a bunch about how the the people of tatooine want to bond together and help one another so how could it possibly be bad that uh, you know uh grogu and the mandalorian want to be together like why is luke being a jerk just give them both (laughs) yeah Uh, you know but i feel like what's at stake is that luke can see this truth that uh sometimes i wonder if his heart is in it he doesn't know if grogu truly wants to take this this long, hard road of being a Jedi and committing to this selfless idea of uh, I protect everyone. Sometimes that means I can't uh, race to help the person I care about the most because I have another responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's not about, I don't feel like this is Luke going like, well, you can go hang out with your friend, the Mandalorian, but you're going to follow the dark side like my father. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what's going on. And that's what's so great. I think that the armor to Grogu is... Safety. It's literally armor, right? Yeah. And it's connection. It's a life with this sort of loving, 
father figure. How many how many moments do we see uh, Grogu, you know, smiling with joy as he whips on a speeder with Mando, right? I mean, yeah. uh, rockets around. Like, uh, obviously, he's in danger, and he, he, he picked up some yeah. violent habits watching the violent life of the Mandalorian. But I think from Grogu's perspective, being with Din is safety and connection. And the lightsaber is hard work. It's the path of a Jedi that's hard for everybody, but extra hard for Grogu because it's basically saying, if you take this path, you are, as Luke lays out, you might not ever see the person you care the most about again. Mm -hmm. And also, you personally have to go get over the fact that to you, this lightsaber represents trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we saw the lightsaber literally reflected in his eyes, right? It's the trauma that is represented by a lightsaber is huge. So I feel like what Luke is just really saying is you should do, you should follow the path that feels right to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke's not making a huge judgment about what the Mandalorian Creed is. He's saying, correct. Do you want to take a path that you Grogu feel is safety and connection in a warm, loving life with this, you know, father figure? Or do you want to take this really difficult path that's about being selfless and helping everyone mm-hmm. and sometimes sacrificing things you want? And oh, by the way, you personally also have to get over a massive amount of trauma to do that. Yeah. I, look, two, two things. We said it up top earlier, but it's like, you know, you want to go home. And yeah, so his vision of home is the worst moment in his life so far. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a horrible. I mean, again, I was like, I was so expected, you know, nice little music plans, maybe some harp and a bunch of little Yodas running around, maybe a Yaddle, you know, all the Yothan, the beautiful, you know, all these Yodels in trees. Um, <laughs> instead, it's literally, it's Order 66. Well, that's cool. No, it's drama it's three jedi slaughtered in front of him it's a sense of, and that's his version of home unbelievable and then remember luke even says he's like i'm not it's not so much that i'm training him it's like he's remembering uh yeah i'm connecting he's so he's connecting back to back to that again all this to say man <laughs> this is a this is a choice uh this isn't like me having uh you know a steak or pork tonight this is this is something big and it is all what uh, choice one might lead to all and this is uh, you and it's not necessarily selfish i think you're right it's not it's just uh what's your path what do you want your path to be yeah it, and obviously luke wants luke and din are you know shaking hands over we want to train this kid so that he knows how to defend himself because it's a dangerous yeah. galaxy there's that real practical like yes absolutely let's make sure that this kid knows how to survive in this rough galaxy where he's going to be a target for lots of reasons so yeah. absolutely that uh but then beyond that there's just this great question of armor of like yeah it does make you feel more safe but it might cut you off from some other things yeah 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 so uh we already touched on it in some ways how these uh the themes and ideas in this particular chapter reflect larger story and rally perspective of star Wars, but do you have more thoughts there? Just a couple little uh, follow-ups there. Uh, fun one for me. Uh, King Theoden says, I will not risk open war. And Aragorn says, open war is upon you, whether you risk it or not. I absolutely thought of that scene while Din sitting there pounding the table saying your town might be good for now, but you're all part of the same planet. I, I, I really, you, you said something too about Peli. Uh, I went back to the Tashi station stuff in my mind where you got, uh, old, uh, you know, uh, fixer and, and Cammy there. Um, saying this ain't right, right? 
and you and I have an episode coming out, uh, I think tomorrow, if you guys are listening about uh, Tatooine and the importance of Tatooine in Star Wars and what it means. So I don't want to take too much from that episode, but it's funny to see how Star Wars is going back to that and saying, we're trying you know, we're, we're, we're looking at what was uh, in the past and trying to, to approach it with new and, and learn and grow. And that's kind of a big Star Wars lesson. So I'd love to go back to the, the heart of the criminal underworld and the people of this planet are like enough's enough. So when Pelimoto's saying it's, it ain't good out here right now, paraphrasing of course uh tashi station we see what's going on we we obviously see the horror the tragedy of the of the tuscans of, of, of dune sea and we might learn more about that to see all that and even to see danny trejo go that look i i saved this rancor bred for fighting and it's not who it is and this rancor could be something else and to see that all flow into this idea of how do you change that? It, it, it's here. The change is here. You can no longer be isolated. You have to be connected. All these things you, you and I talk about, these big big themes, but it is it is here on your doorstep. Because um, Cobb starts out in that conversation. I still don't see what that's all got to do with me. But it's the dots are connecting. The dots are connecting. And and uh, I, I really think that's this big Star Wars theme. theme. Um, you don't want to look up? That's great, Jen. But the fight's here. Yeah, no, there's such Rogue One moments to this of the great Star Wars philosophy of, you know, Padme trying negotiating, the Organa's trying everything mm-hmm. in the, the buildup to the Galactic Civil War to to avoid conflict. Uh, uh, Jedi and Luke in particular asking everybody to be like, can we not do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I give you some money, Jabba, please? Um, that that all the heroes are always trying to avoid violence. And then much like uh, Ahsoka says, you know, but the heroes can't control the wants of others. Yeah. And that's why Star Wars is so much about defense. And this just really feels like the, the people of Tatooine are, are being like Jedi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think some vengeance is going to creep in there, uh, sure. but they're starting at this place of, we didn't choose this. We don't want this. You are inflicting something on us and we are defending ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's that. And one final one for me, too. I love the use of size matters not. We get that. Well, what a good mm. reference. But guess what? Boba Fett doesn't have the numbers. He doesn't have the size, but they've got the heart. So this is what all of this, <laughs> all of this flows into the book of Boba Fett and, and his uh, his stand against the pikes. It's why it's important to me. It's, it really is. And just the idea of what you are. Boba Fett is a cold-blooded killer. Work for the Empire. Uh, as Cad Bane spits those words out of his fanged mouth there. Uh, and so I just, I just, I took that little uh, thing as a bigger Star Wars thing too. The Rebels. Did size matter to the Rebels? Uh, no. They had to overcome that. Yoda, it's not just for Yoda. It's not just for Grogu. It's for the galaxy. Uh, I think that's great. Yeah. I, it, and that, that kind of dovetails into one of the big picture things that I think is this great connection is Star Wars often has uh, questions of identity of like what makes you who you are. You know, Rise of Skywalker is so much about uh, choosing who you are. You know, the sequel trilogy, everybody kind of assuming things about Ben Kylo because of his blood and all, all sorts of issues like that. And in this particular little Mando verse, right, uh, Din has been struggling to define what Mandalorian means to him. He's now been told he isn't one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got that uh, that's all teed up to, to struggle with. Um, but this show that's been called Book of Boba Fett, that's always been one of the fascinating things about Boba is he has multiple identities, but not quite at home in any of them. He's a clone. He's a Mandalorian by Creed's son. Is he a Mandalorian? He did identify as a bounty hunter, but he doesn't want that now. He wants to be a leader. What is that? Like there's all these identities that he's carrying and wrestling with. And that is very similar to what's happening to, to Grogu as this little guy just trying to make his way in his galaxy. And I was like, well, you know, now you have these paths laid 
you know, before you? Are you a Mandalorian foundling or are you a Padawan? What makes your identity, you know? As Saw Guerrero once said in a trailer that never made the movie, what will you become? <laughs> yeah. And, and I also think there's there's this great connection between uh, Grogu's trauma and and Boba's trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That uh, that a lot of what uh, this show has shown Boba Fett wrestling with is the initial trauma of losing his father, losing safety, uh, and then going out into the galaxy and becoming kind of a, a coming, you know, a, a Cad Bane who's not lying. He was. A, a cold-blooded killer who worked for the empire he's maybe not anymore maybe he is <laughs> up for debate uh but you know he allowed himself to become this cold-blooded killer and now he's trying to come back from that and a uh, similar place that Grogu's in of can you push past this trauma you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and both dealing with the potential uh, you know uh potential reality of lost fathers thankfully din still has his head but you know it's a similar yeah. conundrum of a lost father. Love it. Left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, but also left alone on the sands of Tatooine. And what do you, <laughs> what do, you do from there? Yeah. Last big thing for me is I think a, a great uh, Star Wars theme of kind of the past is always present and, and generational influence. Right. Uh, I love Luke's just like love letter to Yoda. Right. Where he's talking so, so fondly of him, uh, paraphrasing Yoda saying, don't try do, uh, giving Grogu a, a ride. <laughs> Just like, like there's so many connections to that generational influence of Yoda, uh, Ahsoka, uh, calling out that generational connection between Anakin and Luke. Uh, Cad Bane is, you know, uh, and, um, not, if not a mentor, certainly, um, somebody to look up to as Boba Fett tried to become the baddest bounty hunter in the galaxy. So, so that's going on there. Um, e- even that just a great, uh, fun throwaway line of Cobb Vanth asking is, is that a Naboo starfighter mm-hmm. and didn't go in all that's what it started off as. Yeah. It, it, it's this continuing great star Wars theme. This is why I am not as concerned about star Wars nostalgia is because the characters are always being affected by who and what came before either mm-hmm. uh, positively or negatively. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a a big look at some of the themes and ideas. We always like to check in on the title. Uh, This is uh, From the Desert Comes a Stranger. Uh, What did you make of that title? I actually, I think it's my favorite one so far. Uh, I really love it. And it, and it, I, right away, did not make me um, think of uh, Cad Bane. I guess it should have made me think of Cad Bane, uh, but it made me think of, uh, I guess, Cad Bane, Cad Bane in a way. But I, I you know, obviously, it, it's going to be more. But um, uh, I, I, yeah, just love it in terms of a, of a good spaghetti western title and that influence and how it worked as well. So uh, the deeper meanings uh, are there as well. I, I guess if you want to dig in, but I loved it on that surface surface level and just the stranger comes from the desert to uh, stranger danger, danger stranger to to break it all up. Uh, and I love the great use of Cad Bane. It 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 all builds to we're, we're talking about all these big themes that builds up to Cad Bane saying uh, ah, none of that matters, just the past. That's who you are. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just so great. It's so uh, heightened and and pulpy and uh, yeah. poetic of, uh, you know, from the desert comes a stranger. I mean, that that could be uh, the tagline on a poster from uh, for a Western in, you know, 1942. <laughs> right. Uh, it could be the title of a Western. Um, it's pretty literal to Cad Bane when that yeah. terrifying stranger comes from the desert. But I also think it is about exactly what you're ta- talking about, like that stranger danger of, yeah. you know, is, is the fact that somebody's a stranger, uh, do they automatically bring danger or can they be an ally? And I feel like since that is a lot of what's at stake, that gives the, the title some good oomph to me. Yeah. 
of it. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this chapter? Yeah, I don't like the color of the uh, Vespas. (laughs) Were the Vespas in this episode and I missed uh, it? No, no. Uh, I guess my point is, yeah, who remembers that? Um, Yeah, no, no, nothing. This this was was a a near-perfect episode. No artist is uh, without flaws, like uh, I've heard you say before. I love that. Uh, You know, but great job all around. Love it. I guess I I would have liked if Cad Bane goes... uh, Boba Fett tell you how he got that debt in his helmet? Let me tell you. See more in Bad Batch Season 2. <laughs> Watch Bad Batch Season 2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I disliked or questioned is uh, I felt just absolute horror at getting that delightful close-up of the astromech drummer, only to know <laughs> that it it uh, did a rim shot, I'm sure, as the explosion went off, but uh, that astromech drummer better be rebuilt. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we can rebuild. Rebo comes back in, not again. I mean, it could be in theory. It could be the end of Figrin Dan. Oh my God, there's a lot going on. No, no. All right, we, we're going to take a moment to process our trauma. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get back uh, in to talk about uh, comedy and action, but canon lore connections. Wow, still a lot left to talk about. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we are back to continue our discussion of Chapter 6 from The Desert Comes a Stranger. We are going to get into all of the canon and lore connections uh, to other Star Wars stories. I love this section of uh, of our breakdown, Ken, because sometimes it's like, ah, oh, we saw the pole from the trash compactor. <laughs> Is that the same one? Uh, and sometimes it's like, hey, uh, characters from all over every part of storytelling. <laughs> of Star Wars, every medium, every era decided to just jump into the sandbox and play together. And that's what we're looking at uh, this episode. Uh, Any, uh, we'll get into uh, specific details, uh, but is there any, do you have any big picture reaction to just how much we saw? Um, It was a lot. Like it was a lot. I don't mean that in in any negative way at all, but just like when I said earlier, my reactions was like, Oh wow, they're, they're, they're doing it. Like it, it was just wasn't shy. And some people love that. Some people don't. And, and I, 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 to me, I'm like, dump all the action figures on the, on the ground, as long as it makes sense. And it, it really made sense. Um, there was a joke, you know, I, I was like, I said, up top, I was, I was slightly worried, worried at some of the expectations coming into this episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is fun. Cause it's this moment we're all feeling collectively as star Wars fans, no matter where we are waiting for this episode to drop. So it's really fun. I'm not here to take any way, anyone, any, anything away from anyone there, but I just, I, I think I'm just so five, six years into this era where I'm just so, so don't want the expectations to turn into horrible discourse because X didn't happen. So I was a little worried about that. And then when it happened, uh, that kind of went away because it just was, it was, it was, it was just really fun and purposeful as long as it's purposeful, unless it's a little kind tiny, tiny reference. That's all, that's always fun. Um, so it was all, all to say, Joseph, that it was real impactful lore connections. And that's why I enjoyed it more than just checklist of names. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was so far beyond just a poll of who's going to appear. Everybody's appearing for a reason and there's such uh, great connections and mm-hmm. you can enjoy it in both ways. You can enjoy that. Like for me, I had that like that Luke opened his eyes just the way he did in Return of the Jedi. That means so much to me. Uh, and I can enjoy that almost just on the surface of how that makes me feel as an individual human being. And then I can dive into why is Luke doing that? How is it connected to other yeah. things? So I'm so with you. And it's just it's fun to live now in this world where, you know, for a while, uh, you know, I remember in season two of The Mandalorian, you and I had a breakdown of like, well, who, if Grogu does call someone, uh, call a Jedi, because that had been teed up, who's he going to call him? We were both like, well, it's got to be Luke, right? But could they do that? And I feel like our kind of incredulous, could they do that, has now been shattered into a million pieces, right? A hundred percent. Even even like I said, prior to this episode uh, on, a, on a video game stream, I was hanging out playing Red Dead Redemption. People are like, oh, do, do you think we're going to see Luke and Grogu? And I, I, I still, even then, and I, this is four hours before the episode dropped. I was like, I, I don't know. That doesn't, not because I don't want it. Because uh, can, can they? <laughs> like technically, can they? And they've answered that question even better than they did last year. And then, so from that, once that goes away, it's like, all right, can we can we get into Leia issues of of uh, her estate? You know, they've already cleared it. Rise of Skywalker, we know, but would they clear it going forward? I don't know. Uh, do you, you do you do uh, you know Alden do Alden with Harrison's voice and tech or just Harrison? I don't know. But now I have this like I have kind of a big why not 
going on in my soul because this this specific episode, not even last week or last year with Amanda, this episode, I'm a huge Cad Bane fan, but I think I got to tell you, Cad Bane's always been that character that I'm like, I love Cad Bane. You know, he's an animated character. <laughs> right? Not no more, Billy. Not no more because... He's there and it looks so real. I, I, I'm convinced that that's actually him. It's actually Adoros who got cast. It's so good. So why not? I loved it all. Right, right. I mean, I, I think you make great points about, you know, a lot, lot to be discussed about, you know, estates and people uh, making decisions. And I think the fact that kind of uh, Mark Hamill is still credited, right? Um, yeah. It, it, all the technology involved that there's this sense that uh, they're still going to Mark Hamill to help build this performance. And so that's why yeah. uh, this can, this can be uh, to, to kind of hold it up and, and validate it <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is really powerful. And yeah, the, the reflection that uh, in this live action television show, uh, there is a standoff from between a character from an animated show in an extremely minor character from a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An interlude character. Yeah. We're not even talking. Nope. It's not Singer though. Gosh, give me some Singer action. Give me uh Nora Wexley, but yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Black or satin. All it, it's, uh, uh, you know, everyone's represented here. Yeah. Yeah. And then just, you know, uh, throw Ahsoka in there. So let's get into these details. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, we're so used to Ahsoka being around live action now, right? It's old hat. It's old hat. This is her second appearance and it's Ahsoka and Luke together for the first time. Like any one of the things that we're going to discuss would normally be like the the focus of this entire section. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so uh, Luke's school, uh, love those droids uh, just mm-hmm. building. So in, in all R2 colors, like R2 painted them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But they're, they're building a hut. Uh, obviously, uh, the the Jedi hut, it looks uh, similar in design to, to the ones on Octo. I, I I think the way the story has been laid out, I don't think Luke's been to Octo. I think it's mm-hmm. just a standard uh, yet. I think it's a standard uh, design. Yeah. Um, but I this is, I think, you know, the gift and the curse of us uh, recording this quickly after the episode has come out. Uh, mm-hmm. There's nothing on the internet yet to verify if uh, this is the planet uh, where Luke's school is seen in those flashback scenes in the sequel trilogy, in the comic book Rise of Kylo Ren. Uh, the the structure that Kylo pulls down is wooden. This was all stone. Uh, this could just be the beginning and it slowly builds up or it could be a different place. I don't think we know yet. Do you? No, we don't. I, and I worry because, it, you know, there's a lot of trees and I did go back to watch uh, the dream sequences in Last Jedi this morning as well. Didn't uh, pick up the out the pick out the rest of Kylo comic yet. I should do that. Go out in the garage and check those photos. Um, you know, so it's like, does Luke do a little of Saruman action and just cut all the trees down? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it definitely looks a little different, but the vibe is very similar, right? And, and that could just be like, here, here's, here's how it looks then or whatever. So, uh, but fun, but fun. Uh, nothing but fun to wonder. Yeah. And I think that's what the thing that matters to me is like, probably by the time we're recording this, uh, there will be a confirmation of it is or it isn't. Here's the planet name we've all been waiting for. Like, you know, and that stuff is is fun. And in Maya Culpa, we're recording this before uh, we know. But to me, what matters is that spirit of it. Right. I mean, yeah. imagine in back in like the 83 and like Luke's going to start a, a school and this is what it looks like on this peaceful planet with this simple structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it just the mood and the energy of it is is phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So uh, moving on then to Luke's memories of Yoda. He was small, but he had a huge heart, which is such a lovely line and also sounds like he had a heart condition. Um, uh, so he quotes the size matters not. And Ken, the one that <laughs> the one that just I thought was uh, 
so great is he's, I think he's trying to trigger Grogu's memory because it sounds like Grogu probably interacted mm-hmm. with Yoda as all younglings do. And Luke says of his master, he talked like that. He would speak in riddles. Hmm. How did that grab you as, as a, a uh, description of Yoda's speech pattern? Uh, really fun to hear it in universe, right? To hear someone um, address it. I don't, unless it's like a comic or a Clone Wars episode I missed. I don't, I don't remember any point in, in the movies or anything where someone's like, why, why you talk that way? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, talk that way why uh i don't know so it's just fun cute very endearing but I also i gotta tell you i got nervous joseph because i was like is is this it is this maggie simpson's first word are we get, is girl going to be like remember i do like i, I was like oh oh, oh no no and, okay not yet not yet not yet yota he was yeah <laughs> um yeah no i mean i i feel like uh since he just said size matters not and you know, he spoke that way in riddles i feel like you know there there's a, a way to look at it as as you know, speech pattern. I don't think Yoda was trying to talk in riddles when he said around the survivors, a perimeter create. <laughs> I think that was a direct military order <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was hopefully understood well by the clones. Uh, but I feel like there's a little bit of a sort of acknowledgement of like, he's, he talked differently, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the content of what he said was teaching always. Yes. He would ask you things that make you think he would show you a door and then you would have to go through it. And that's the way he talked to you. I feel like there was like that sort of depth to this mm-hmm. great romantic mythic saying, you know, yeah. he would speak in riddles. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I loved it. It was very fun. Yeah. Was fun. So great. So great. Uh, really, really fantasy roots of Star Wars mm-hmm. to me there. Uh, any other thoughts on, on Luke's uh, waxing <laughs> poetic about Yoda? Uh, no, but uh, the, the training sequence overall, I loved it. And I made a joke r- earlier, but I really made me think of that, uh, bad lip reading YouTube video, Seagull Stop It Now, which is one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars comedy. Just when he's like, <laughs> I, can, I can be your backpack while you run. I can be your backpack while you climb. Uh, and just, so I went to that, oddly enough, I went to that before I went to, uh, Yoda on Luke's back and Dagobah. I don't know where my priorities <laughs> are, but I went to that video first. Um, but just loved, uh, love seeing that, love seeing that little full circle, full circle poetry at rhymes moment. Yep. Yep. Just literally trying to show, uh, the kid, the big picture by mm-hmm. climbing real tall, real high, real high. Yeah. Uh, then we go to trauma, uh, Grogu's order 66 memories. Mm-hmm. Who knew when we first saw Revenge of the Sith that we as Star Wars fans would be haunted yeah. <laughs> by various depictions of this horror, uh, again and again. For years. Uh, how lucky are we? Uh, there was that great uh, sort of uh, vision memory visual effect uh, like Anakin's mm-hmm. in the prequels uh, when uh, Grogu went back into his uh, memories. Um, uh, obviously, I, I think it. we talked about how I think it has kind of like thematic resonance with what's going on of the, the Jedi trying to uh, defend Grogu and mm-hmm. his traumatic memory he pulls himself out of uh, ends with him being defenseless. But did you find yourself wondering in that moment, like, a Jedi is going to jump in and save Grogu and we're going to learn how Grogu yeah. who saved Grogu or is it that are, you know, is the next beat in that memory Grogu reaches his hands out and their necks all snap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know? I, my thought was Tara Sanube jumps in and says, not today. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think with I think we'll pick that up, right? Because first of all, first of all, could you imagine if you're Dave Filoni, you got that curly hair, that cowboy hat, and you come to work that day to shoot a scene from Revenge of the Sith, the movie that you don't stop talking about, and the day you met Lucas and got hired in Clone Wars and still had to go to the movie and, and, and hung out with your friends. Uh, that's such a part of Dave's identity. By the way, I'm celebrating that with him. Could you yeah. imagine that day at work where he's like, I get to. Oh, I get to shoot Revenge of the Sith again. I get, it's like a deleted scene around the corner. Oh my God. Oh my God. Cause of the hallway, the colors, uh, the, the dream, uh, the vibe, like you said, the, the do, 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 do kind of thing. That got going <laughs> on. But it really, it, it felt that it felt like Sith. And I really did love that. So, uh, beyond just wondering who's going to jump out or what does he do next? Cause both are possible. Um, I, I really just enjoyed seeing Revenge of the Sith on my screen again. Yeah, absolutely. And just the the beauty of uh, seeing those blaster bolts and those lightsabers in Grogu's big eyes, just taking it all in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, I'm, and I really like that it's a cliffhanger of like, I do think we're, is Grogu makes other choices and processes other traumas. We're going to we're going to see the rest of that story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we go to this, you know, character that uh, sometimes people like to talk about Ahsoka Tano <laughs> yeah. and a thing that Many fans have been talking about it. it's something that we've been on about on the podcast of wanting a, a campfire moment between Ahsoka and Luke because they have uh, wonderful things to offer one another about Anakin that Luke can tell Ahsoka about how uh, the choice that uh, Anakin made at the end of his life and Ahsoka can tell Luke what a, what a great and kind man he was as a Jedi. Uh, and we now get a vibe of that <laughs> yeah we get the line of uh ahsoka has obviously been there she knows luke she says uh, i'm an old friend of the family which mm-hmm. is amazing uh she has that great look when she says uh, uh luke is worrying about grogu and she says so much like your father mm-hmm. uh so l- let's get into all that what did you think about uh ahsoka and luke being on screen together interacting talking about anakin it was just one of those moments of wow they're really doing it and and the tech looks uh pretty darn good and 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 you know i um I I really like Rosario as Ahsoka. I just think down to even some of the movements, speech patterns, and everything. She's doing um, not just her best. She's doing a great job as an actor uh, with uh, taking what Ashley Eckstein built uh, to pay respects to, to Ashley there and 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 moving it forward in a different chapter of the character's life. So I, I'm personally on board with it. Some might not be. I understand that. Um, but it was just, uh, what I liked more than anything, Joseph, uh, I, I'd love to see one day that campfire conversation that we've dreamed up on our head. I believe it's happened, right? Because the, the version of Ahsoka that we get in Mando, that's a little more, um, you know, I don't want to say angry, but angsty. She's still got that peace and purpose. She's still got that great vibe, but there, there, there's something going on in her soul, right? As she's mm-hmm. searching for something bigger, for something more. And I think she still is, Hey, it's like, she's got a show coming, but. There, there just was a lot of peace, a, a lot of, uh, of just uh, poignancy to the words she was saying and how she was acting and what she was, uh, what she was to all those characters, all three of those characters. She represented something important, so that was fun for me too. Yeah, that was one of my like get, get a little teary moment when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in the story, I'm thinking about all of what it means and all these great ideas, and oh yeah, no, Ahsoka just walked up to Luke, and then I was just like, really like, Ahsoka just walked, <laughs> walked up, up behind Luke. Skywalker we've been mm-hmm. waiting for this you know mm-hmm. um yeah I, I agree with you about her, her performance I'm really enjoying it she's got this hand gesture on uh when she's having the conversation with Din and Din is saying like he's a Mandalorian foundling and Ahsoka says perhaps he's a Padawan now 
in her hand gesture is straight out of Clone Wars animation. Like yeah. they they had to have said like, <laughs> or Rosario studied it. Dave gave the direction, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's being very mindful of the physical movements of Ahsoka. So I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was also really touching to see that that buddy moment between Ahsoka and R two, right? Oh, uh, R two, man. Yeah, she strokes them, and he he laughs. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing on their you know initial meeting. He's R two e, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely fun. Yeah, it's great and really interesting to see uh, how in on everything R two is. Of like, yeah, no, I I know this guy's this guy's got some boundary issues. I'll take him to Ahsoka first. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, just seeing R two is, is still pretty cool, right? It's always good to see that droid around. Right, that's amazing. When R two is like on the lower billing of uh, of yeah. the many things to talk about, um, yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like we will still see their initial meeting because I maybe I'm wrong, and and if I am, I, I trust that there is a storytelling reason, and and I'll go along with it. Um, but I do really feel like there there is she's peace and purpose and doing what she needs to do and offering people a way out in uh, the Jedi uh, episode of Mandalorian season two, but there is like a sadness to her, I yep. think. And, and when she's talking about, you know, even the greatest Jedi can lose their way with attachment. I feel like she is in a brighter place. And I, I think it's a really interesting idea of her connecting with Luke, right? If, if she becomes aware through the force <laughs> yeah, uh, that Grogu has gone with him and she goes to talk to him about it, because it feels like she's just popping in yeah, to check on things, to have a little confab. And then she's off on her own, on her, you know, on what she needs to do. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, there's a lot to it. It's it's some of the. I'm gonna have to have to revisit it just to take it in more. It's even. It's just fun. It's just good. I feel good. Ahsoka's just you know one of my favorite characters uh, and has been for a while. And and to, it's nice to see her uh, see her feel a little peace in this moment. Yeah, and their vibe is so great too. Of like, she clearly has respect for Luke. Of like, mm-hmm, uh, there's mm-hmm. nowhere safer than next to Luke Skywalker <laughs> yeah. than Master Luke. And, and she's literally hanging back behind him, watching him, and he still defers to her like she's, yeah. you know, his wise old auntie, you know? Yeah. Of like, am I, am I doing the right thing? That vibe between them is so great. There's there's such uh, respect and such uh, uh, room given to one another. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. I just keep saying, yeah, because I just like, like you said, it's like, wow, we, we saw that. <laughs> We saw those two characters go back, go back to uh, 2008, sit in that theater to the Clone Wars movie and go to that moment, go to now and, and just try to connect those dots and see if you believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, do you have any opinion or, or any um, concern about where in her journey this is? Or do you just kind of trust that the the timeline of the Mandoverse will bounce around and show us what it needs to when it needs to? Yeah, I, I, I still think whatever. My personal take is, I should say, I, I still think whatever is coming is is on the way, right? She's just passing through. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Sabine was waiting back in the ship and was just doing some artwork. I don't know. Yeah, I see that. But yeah, I, I think they'll they'll flush that out. And I think, like you, I just uh, I'll, I'll I'll let go of that attachment to the idea. But them having that conversation, because again, going going from like you said to to you know, she's she's got some some clearly some issues with what happened to Anakin in in Mando, and here just to say I'm a friend of the family means she's still claiming that 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 connection you know yeah and saying so much like your father there isn't it, there's nothing but joy between them in that there it, it's not bittersweet right yeah yeah 
it, it, it's like, I mean, it's talk about Owen. Star Wars. It's not Star Sorry, it's not Uncle Owen. Ugh. Exactly. We were saying the exact same thing. It's like, it's great Star Wars right. poetry. It's a lot like, oh, what a problem. It's, like, almost every time that anyone has told uh, Luke that he's like his, fa- his father, it's a problem. And this is the first time it's been a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. That's big. That's big. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Uh, I can't wait to see where uh, in her journey this is. And I also think that, you know, I'm very curious to see now that Book of Boba Fett contains the stories of many other people as well that uh, my mind is opened about what the Ahsoka show can be. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so the, <laughs> uh, the Jawas decorating <laughs> is the next place I go. Uh, I, I took that to be a great dragon skull that they have made a, a roof patio out of. Yeah. Or like trying to sell it to market. It was just, it was great. And the fact that they're just like, do they, do they see Din or are they just waving at a ship? I don't know. I don't care. It just was a great happy moment. I don't know. That ship just brings everybody who sees it joy. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, hey, Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah, like, and one Starfighter. I had that Lego. No, like, but the Jawas do have that that mood of like, ah, cool ship, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I took it to be maybe they're maybe they're off to to sell it now that the Tuscans have taken everything they wanted from the crate. They're like, well, left the skull. Uh, yeah. Either they're taking it to try to sell it, or I do like that. Like, you know, the suns can be a little harsh. We need a little shade on top of our sand crawler. I'd be, I'd be fine without all of that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we talked about this briefly. It's Freetown now, not mm-hmm. uh, most Pelgo. Uh, and as the Weequay bartender says, we changed the name. Suits us better. Yeah. How do you feel about all that? Um, you know, going back to these are the those aftermath novels are some of the earlier novels. They are very different. They're w- written in that uh, present tense style. Uh, they have all these interludes that kind of paint a picture of, of the galaxy immediately after the fall of the Empire. Um, and this is pulling directly from it saying, mm-hmm. Hey, not only are we taking characters and ideas and locations from that story, we're now in fact making an effort to have it line up, to have the television show line up even more with the books. How do you feel about all that? Uh, I absolutely love it as a fan of, of, of Wendig's work in the aftermath series. And, and yeah, you're right. It was, it was, uh, you know, go back to uh, early controversies in Star Wars and kind of those books. Uh, I do like it. I and, and it's fun. It's just fun to imagine. Um, imagine a Favreau tells a story. They go, well, well, there's this guy, Cobb Vanth. All right, put him in this. That, that'll work. They cast Timothy Oliphant. We got it. It's Moss Belgo. And then for like a year, Filoni's just like, well, it's called Freetown now. <laughs> which is funny too joseph feloni is a weird canon guy too where i think he likes he's not so concerned with it as people maybe want to think uh with the modern canon he wants to do the george thing and tell the story so if in this dream scenario i'm dreaming up here uh i'm envisioning it's funny just have either of them try to pick a small canon moment and put it into the show yeah. And I feel like it wasn't just like, um, it wasn't this sort of like, you could have a pedantic joke, right? Somebody could call something, you know, a gun and somebody goes, actually, uh, that's my, uh, those are my LL3 twin blaster pistols. Like you could just kind of have a joke that acknowledges the more, you know, technical name for something or the more correct name. Um, but I felt like this was a, it, it worked so well because it was building up this idea of like we were talking about earlier of like, we've done a lot of work on this community and we're, we're proud of what we've built and, uh, and we want to put a new name on it. We're not afraid of change. You know, we change the name suits us better. Mm -hmm. Uh, It goes to so many of the big themes in this show and and in Din's journey of like, are you willing to change? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. The, the, yeah, and identity and everything. It, it, it worked. And again, it, it's not a checklist thing. It's just, uh, um, you know, it's just it, it has good purpose and is used well. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think any time that the uh, all of the Star Wars storytelling can line up, that seems to make people really happy. I understand if you're you're on screen and you know an event happened, right? There was a battle at this place. Uh, these two people were there and you don't necessarily, if you're telling that same battle on, on screen, you don't necessarily want to be locked into every exact tiny detail. Mm. I get that. I'm okay with that. I know uh, some fans uh, aren't okay with that, uh, but for something like this, uh, where it makes it closer to the other part of Star Wars storytelling and it tells a great story all by itself is great because yeah. uh, for me, like the people who who love those books and know that are like, all right, you know, pumping their fist and, for me, it works on a thematic level and it kind of works on a comedy level. It almost is like uh, the town was drinking one night and everybody got to put a name in a hat and we pulled out Freetown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Imagine if you haven't read the book, you're like, that. that's the name they chose? Okay. Freetown. All right. Well, these are very literal people. All right. I like. All right. Uh, all right. Moving on to, you know, another big canon thing that could have been just the main thing in this episode. Mm. Uh, Cad Nightmare Fuel Bane. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about his appearance. Um, what Any reactions to the way he was introduced, his appearance, his voice, any of that just kind of surface level stuff? Uh, work. You still got what Corey Burton doing the voice, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So a couple moments where it was like not different, like a, but it's like. Oh, okay, this is like a live action version. And then there was just a couple of ones. I was like, oh man, that's Clone Wars. I love it. Uh yeah. no, look, man. Um, Star Wars is is a is about a lot of deep things that you and I discuss all the time. It's also about the cool, it's also about the joy, it's also about the fun. And the wind chimes moving. And him going, uh, I I I had no thoughts, you know, and a lot of people have been predicting that Cad Bane would show up. I kept my mind open about it. I, I had some thoughts. I'd love to see some stuff with him and Boba Fett and Bad Batch. We'll see if that comes. But I, the moment that wind goes, I went, oh, in my head, I was like, it's Cad Bane. Oh, my God. And so to have it deliver in that way, the, the, the good, the bad, the ugly shot, the, the Western showdown, uh, it's Deadwood. It's it's everything. Um, I loved it, man. I thought it was an A+. And even on – I loved it last night, went to bed thinking about it, woke up, watched the episode two more times. And it just, it continued to just uh, give me joy. And, and, and sometimes we just want to live in that. And it really was a, is a, is a great job much like, cause by, by, by the way, like uh, Cad Bane's arrival in Clone Wars and not the uh, chronological order, but the broadcast order, his, his arrival in Clone Wars is one of my favorite moments. And one I've written about and analyzed of just like how it shouldn't have worked, but it worked. How mm-hmm. this almost comically designed cowboy outlaw character with trench coat, duster, blasters, Clint Eastwood hat, that should not work. And it always would work because he was dangerous and he was that Star Wars villain and that same vibe. I got to imagine if you've never seen those Clone Wars episodes and you saw this, like you said, Joseph, nightmare fuel for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it when we did our Clone Wars report. Yeah, but that that kind of almost over the top uh, trench coat and a hat. And then also he's got a uh, cheekbone hoses, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> right? That shouldn't be terrifying. And yet the magic of star Wars, uh, uh, just sort of a great, weird. What's that for? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely love it. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I think, I think Cad Bane uh, to pull the curtain back. I think the way Cad Bane was being talked about, I kind of felt like somebody had some information. Um, so uh, are, are I, you- <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah. 
Uh, are you saying someone? I'm has not naming names. I'm not naming I'm names. Not naming names either. But if someone has a friend at Lucasfilm and somehow makes hundred uh, percent accurate predictions over the years, I don't know how that happens. Just <laughs> there were there were a couple instances of that. It was so early. Like uh, I think there's. I think for me is like well with with we did it too when we discussed with uh with Boba Fett and with the mm-hmm. crime world. That does seem like all right. Do you have any favorite bounty hunter from Boss to Dengar? For me, my my hope of uh Embo mm-hmm. jumping in from live action. Action. Uh, we, we get to see the origin story of Constable Zuvio before he was constable. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? Uh, Chris Anton was on the table, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's just a way that emerged so early of like Cad Bane, yes or no, that it made me feel like, eh. Yeah. I, I feel like this is, this is, it, 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 there, it was before the first episode even aired, right? Yes. Uh, you know, people have fun with the joke about WandaVision of everybody uh, predicting this um, uh, uh, Marvel villain Mephisto, right? But that was mm-hmm. once the show got running. And it was clear that there was some someone lurking behind it all. We didn't even have that. It was before the first one, like Cad Bane. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think for me, it got to a point of like, uh, I feel like he's gonna show up. Maybe not, but anyway. Yeah. So with with that, uh, I think leading that being in my mind, uh, I was right there with you. With like, as soon as the wind chimes came, like the title came back to my head of From Desert <laughs> yes. Comes a Stranger, right? But it, but it was <laughs> like, that moment where I was like, I was so stupid to think that it was Cobb Vanth. What am I doing? Do I do I even watch these shows? <laughs> but what I really loved about it is the terror. And, you know, maybe, maybe some listeners are like, what's wrong with you, Joseph? He wasn't that scary. Uh, what was scary to me about it is the way it was built up that – there were so many beats in this episode. I, I've always loved uh, Cobb Vanth. I liked him in the books. I loved him in The Marshal. And I mm-hmm. and he was even more lovable. We're going to get to our favorite uh, comedy lines. Half of them are his, right? Mm-hmm. He was so charming. And uh, it's, it's not because he's elderly. It's because he, <laughs> he's, uh, he's thin, uh, yeah. totally vulnerable and scarred. Yeah. And that great structure of the, the tension of like, he's facing down four pikes but oh he's a faster draw and then we get to spend some time with him we like him so much he doesn't want to put the townspeople at risk but he knows when he tells them the truth they're all going to go to war in with all of that mm-hmm. then this dreaded nightmare badass slowly sauntering into town you know and just like uh, it's not it's not like um uh, Cobb Vanth is fourth sensitive but just that total intuition of like yeah. there's no way this is good Everyone get inside. It was such a great way to tee up. So Cad Bane wasn't a uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing gif. It wasn't about just I recognize him. I don't think there's anything wrong no, with uh, yeah. I recognize him and I love him. That's great. But if if we had never, if none of us had ever seen Cad Bane before, yeah. heard the name, it would still have the weight of the nightmare is coming to town. What Din just tried to convince me that yeah. we're not safe, we're not isolated. What's happening everywhere is coming here, is walking in in blue nightmare form. Mm. Yeah, uh, welcome to potentially the first three-hour Force Center um, in a while. Um, <laughs> a lot of thoughts here. I want to I jump back in here. First of all, I, 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 as someone who is a Timothy Oliphant fan, who Deadwood is one of my favorite shows, and uh, I have not watched Justified, and we joke he's kind of pleased good at playing those characters for a reason. Uh, I was, you know, you remember, I was a little more critical of him and the Marshall didn't vibe with it mm-hmm. as much. That's all gone right here, right now. Again, again, the thing I keep talking about, 
or something you in Star Wars, you're like, that's new and I don't know if I like it. You just just take a breath and live with it a moment. Star Wars rewards you for that, I think, time and time again. I really loved him in this one. Really loved the way uh, the lines, everything about it flowed so beautifully for me. And in uh, just classic, just pro wrestling terms, uh, for those that don't know, I was in and out of, I worked in pro wrestling for like 20 years. This is the term when you put someone over and the use of it. You, stab, you establish the greatness of Cobb Vanth in the beginning. He's a quick draw. He's in charge. He's keeping it safe. And he does the count, takes the three for Cad Bane to show you how dangerous Cad Bane is and elevates him as a villain. That's how it works. It's basic storytelling. I love the execution of it here. Yeah, and I think that's it for me is like I I love uh, Cobb Vanth. They made me care about him. I already liked him. This episode really elevated him. Uh, you've got this great generational story that's been set up with some good comedy of the 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 jittery, over-eager youngster. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got some great rhythms with Luke trying to train Grogu, who's, yeah. you know, impulsive. Like, I don't know, this guy, this deputy might eat a frog. Uh, that, that energy... And for me, just sitting there going like, ah, I'm so excited to see Cad Bane. And if I had a blaster, I'd pull it on him right now because he's going to kill this guy I love. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it that it's so great. It's such a fun mix of emotions to be so happy to see Cad Bane and so live in that moment of tragedy. Like I had I had no doubt that there's no way that Cobb is getting the, the drop on him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that living with that tension of that tragedy. And the only question is, is he going to die <laughs> yeah. now or might he live till next episode? You know? Yeah. Look, I hope he, I hope he lives. I really want to see him there in that final fight. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. It, 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 um, and I'm with you too. And sometimes I, I'll even apologize to listeners. If you catch me like on a stream, if I'm on Twitch, which I do every now and then, and I get a lot of, Hey, Ken, do you think so-and-so I get a little grumpy and we'll challenge you on that. Okay. Why? Why? Tell me why. Why do you want Cad Bane? I'm not here for theories. I'm not here for predictions. They're fun, but you, they, they don't move the needle for me anymore. They did five years ago, six years ago. I'm not there for it. And, and, and every time, Joseph, the show and the movies, to me, personal to me, they answer the why so well. And this is uh, one of the greatest examples of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then just, you know, his... his voice being so fearsome the the teeth being so fearsome the reveal of the red eyes everything just it draws this uh, terror level to this great height and even in this episode makes it clear what he's there for uh this all starts with uh Bofet saying i don't want to be a hunter anymore i don't want to be somebody who's just paid by idiots to kill other people who don't have to die and I don't question it and I don't treat anybody with this honor that I claim to have. I don't want to be that anymore. Yeah. Like, okay, well, what does it look like? What does that look like? It's Cad Bane, right? Yep. No honor, no mercy, no change. Some fans might debate the honor thing with me, but uh, merciless killer out for number one and number one only and heading into this fight with Boba Fett. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, really does. Yeah. So one quick question I want to ask you is, um, obviously, uh, many fans know about the the Clone Wars animatics that were shown, that there was going to be this uh, story of of Cad Bane and, and Boba Fett working together, that Cad Bane kind of wants to challenge Boba Fett uh, because he never got a chance to prove he was better than Django, so he wants to prove he's better than Boba and uh, the dent in the helmet and all that. Uh, do, you, do you feel like we're still going to get a version of that story, possibly in Bad Batch season two. Do you think that a part of what's being built here is not just that 
Boba is a hunter who has changed and Cad Bane's a hunter who hasn't, but they actually do have beef and Cad Bane still wants to prove he's better. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. They, they got heat, man. They got heat. And I, I um, would love to see that scene fully realized uh, in, I just keep saying bad batch because bad batch has a lot of that energy of let's pick up some of the threads back then. And we, we know, uh, we know Dave and company had the clone, the clone wars wanted to tell the story. So now more than ever. And it be, because who knows what happens next week. And I don't think we'll get a, I don't know. I was going to say, we don't, I may, I don't think we'll get that live action flashback, but who knows? We might. Who knows? Put the put the Daniel Logan over the the, the kid standing body and do that whole scene live action next week in a flashback. If, you know, if someone says Cad Bane's here and Boba Fett goes, I need to go take a back to nap. Um, let me go dream about what this was. Uh, it, it could. I just and now it even has more uh, importance to me in terms of just seeing these characters interact and why he's there again. Why Cad Bane's there? And that not people always been looking forward to. They know the connection between Cad Bane and Boba Fett of fans. Yeah, that's one of the reasons people wanted him to show up in the show. So I get that. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited. I'd be real excited to see that because that dent is still there and still prominent. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely a no holds barred. Anything could happen, and I think they definitely uh, have some history that we uh, may or may not see in uh, future episodes or a uh, book of Boba Fett. Uh, moving on to our last bit of canon that I want to talk about. Also, a thing that we could spend this entire <laughs> chunk talking about: uh, Yoda's saber. Um, how, were you affected by that? That it was not just, hey, I got a lightsaber from somewhere, but specifically, it's Yoda's. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Love that. Love kind of immediately tracing, oh, where did he, you know, did he pick it up? Did he have it? You know, just the, the, the checklist canon kind of thing. And then just um, whatever that moment might have been where Luke either was given it by, by Yoda or someone else or Ahsoka or found it or whatever. That's, that's that. If we ever see that, I don't think we need to, but if we ever see it, it'd be a pretty powerful moment. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, my, my headcanon is this is uh, really supportive of some of the book and comic materials about Luke, you know, as soon as uh, the empire is taken care of, what he cares about is discovering more about the force. What artifacts have, uh, ha- does the empire in, in Palpatine in particular have, you know, hidden away? Um, because uh, I think Yoda loses that saber in Revenge of the Sith, right? It falls exactly. out of his hands. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, obviously it could be any story. Uh, it, it, as Maz said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a great question for another time. But what it made me immediately think of is, a picture of, uh, yeah, no, Yoda lost it in the Senate chamber and Palpatine kept it as just like a trophy of somebody he defeated. Uh, and Luke and Luke found that trophy room wherever it was and is reclaiming that, you know, uh, and that possibility is, uh, I don't know. It just, uh, yeah. the, I, I would be, I would watch any amount of uh, shows. That's just a, you know, uh, basically uh, Luke's version of uh, Jedi antiques Roadshow, where he just finds stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Laura Santec is like, I've got something for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was great. And I thought it, it, it made the most of the obvious connections between Grogu and what Yoda was saying, uh, or Luke is saying about his master Yoda. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so great stuff. Oh, I did mean to ask you one other Cad Bane question, and we'll get moving because we we are already at a long episode. Mm. Um, how do you feel about the questions now that are going to be 
where was Cad Bane during the Empire? You know, if Vader's calling the best of the best to find Han Solo, why isn't Cad Bane there? How do you feel about those kind of questions? I think he opened up a side business for a while. I think he took a powder. I think after maybe <laughs> uh, getting his butt beat by younger Boba Fett, maybe if we learn out more. Yeah, uh, it's fair questions to ask. And, and there's going to be a lot of wonderful videos about that. And 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 as you and I always say, it just means we'll get, the, we'll get an answer uh, one day, maybe. Yes. A great question for another time yeah. is the... The way I feel about that one. All right. Uh, there was some action in this episode for sure. Did you have some favorite action moments? Uh, yeah. I, it's, it's funny. There, Yeah, there was uh, – it was so um, thought out and measured action, right? There's. It seems like there wasn't a lot, but there was was a lot all the way through. I, just Cobb Vance opening scene was great and the three shots, all the lines. It's uh, even just the uh, – some of the, the, the phrasing, so, such a, a Western show. It's just uh, totally um, – Totally my vibe there. Uh, so I love that. I love the uh, think about it, think it through, think it through, uh, and, and that whole sequence. Yeah, the, the quick draw is cool, but the fact that he starts the conversation with think it through, and then after he shoots three of them, says so the, the last one, think it through. Think it through. <laughs> Such a great, uh, great line. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I think one of the big actions is really is the the traumatic order 66 uh, mm-hmm. flashback. Um I like how it's kind of in slow-mo, so we have definitely see some things that we've seen before, but the uh, Jedi does manage to reflect that one bolt, and we really just kind of see it fly right into the clone trooper. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was a cool bit of action. Cool. Yeah, I love that. 501st getting it. Yep. 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 And uh, and giving it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, there really wasn't a ton of action. A lot of the other things I put in comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Uh, so the other one for me is just the, the Grogu versus the training remote <laughs> and all those little leaps. Yeah. The big leaps in the little, there's one where he does like a huge leap and then he does just a little jump. Yeah. Cause he kind of does like a Yoda uh, fighting Dooku leap at one point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. 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 And the, the, the turning and just like enough, <laughs> I'm no longer yeah. afraid of you. Yeah. No, I'm going on the offense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, any other action thoughts or should we move on to comedy and whimsy? Uh, I mean, just a shout out again to the, the Cad Bane, Cad Bane, the showdown. Uh, yeah. Love yeah. Things. I guess that's a pretty big one. Yeah. yeah just it played out so well, but yeah, see, see our previous thoughts on Cad Bane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you feel at all bad for that deputy? Yeah. No, look, his heart's in the right place. All right. You know, he paid for it. Uh, and I, you don't blame him for going, I'm not leaving you alone. Uh, that's, that's, that's one of the things we keep talking about. Connection, standing by, choosing a side. He did all the right things. It just, uh, it got him killed. Yep. And he, he did instigate. He did yeah, instigate. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. We'll move on to, uh, yeah, I did. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be hard on him. I thought he was a, a, a great <laughs> character that, you know, shows that eagerness of, of youth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, a cautionary tale. How about that? Let's move on to comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, what stuff did you have here? Uh, you have a lot of Cobb Vance lines. So I'll just stay, say one there. You, you might have it too, but and let's be honest. In Moss Eisley, anything goes. It just Moss Eisley's taking a lot of hits in this series. And I love it. I really like the picture that most Eisley is just like this out of control college town that doesn't even have a college. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know what arrangements you have with the authorities of Mos Espa. And let's be honest, in Mos Eisley, anything goes. Uh, I took a screen capture of that and it, his face is so great. Like, yeah, most Eisley. Yeah. Um, there's so much that I loved about this episode that is just all about mood and all, all the great, beautiful stuff uh, mm. on the, the Jedi planet. Um, I love when R2 just goes to sleep and has his droids make a bench. <laughs> yep. And then says, is that a bench? <laughs> so the, 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 my favorite part of that is one of the ant droids walks up to R2. There's a beep and the droid watching get the, his pincher nods as he's like, okay, yeah, build a bench. Got it. 
And it's just, I love that R2 is like, this guy needs a bench. <laughs> Build a waiting room for this guy is hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, I, even, I even think Din laying down and just got, what's that? I think it, I think that's like, I think that's us as a Star Wars audience for a lot of shows, movies, and series. Just sit down, man. The story's happening. It, just relax. Be patient. Yeah. It's going to unfold. Don't, you. don't worry. You'll have plenty of time to podcast about this. Just lie back on the bench. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, then I go on to uh, Grogu and the Frogs. Man, yeah. so many great beats. I mean, just uh, for me, the 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 beauty of, of that, we talked about it with the themes of, you know, seeing Luke's gloved hand just slowly turn those peaceful eyes. Mm. Uh but going back to the the beginning of it, when the they keep finding new and great things to do with that Grogu puppet, when the frog leaps and Grogu opens just one eye, <laughs> yeah. trying to play that game like what? No, what? I'm meditating. I only opened one eye. <laughs> uh, I love that beat. My favorite thing of that beat is uh, when he when he pulls that uh, one eyed uh, frog closer to him. He he it, it, his like his head goes up and he starts to like chomp. Like he's not quite there. He's like, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> he is literally nom, nom, nom. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's doing an internet meme. He's smacking his mouth. He can already taste it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think perhaps one of my absolute favorite uh, is Luke uh, giving Grogu the little force hop help as they have that little mm-hmm. casual conversation, <laughs> bouncing him along with the Best. force. Uh, man, if Luke Skywalker was real, I would I would pay him so much money to do that to me to just give me a little force hops. I need I need it getting out of bed in the morning. No, I, the first time I, I thought you go, uh, I thought Grogu. I said Yoda. I thought Grogu was jumping right because we just went there and like, oh nope, nope, nope. That's just even more adorable. It's so adorable. Uh, what are some more for you? Uh, I put down. Uh, well, again, I guess it is a Kavet. I do like he's new, still a little bit jumpy, but just everything about Kavet. Uh, I guess I could uh, mistake why a uh, Wikipedia uh, uh, editor would call him elderly. He just has that look. He has the uh, uh, right kids these days. And I just, uh, I loved his vibe all the way through the episode. It really worked. Yeah. Yeah. He's new. He's new. Yeah. Um, uh, another uh, beat that I really liked that really shows that R2 is uh, really on board with everything. Uh, when Din insists on seeing Grogu when Ahsoka's like, yeah, no, I mean, you can see him if you want. And Din's like, yeah, I, I want to. And R2's like, uh-oh, kind of noise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very little thing, but it's like R2 is attuned to, like, this guy's got issues. Yeah. R2 it's knows. Very man. funny. R2 knows all. Yeah. Um, the, uh, another great Grogu moment uh, when Luke says, let's see you jump. And he does that tiny hop. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're, what they're being able to do with that, uh, the puppet and the CGI, all the things that are probably adding up to make this work is uh, is really impressive and just adorable. It's just it's just the cutest thing ever. It's so it's so hard not to squee when you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, any any more for you? I did like the Jawas stuff you, you mentioned as well, but it just, uh, uh, the Jawas, um, especially the relationship to Din, and those are the off-world Jawas, I know, but just, uh, they've been through a lot too. Um everything about them they're just uh they're interesting they're more i've always kind of been obsessed with jobs in a weird way um um but just they're getting their due uh, not as uh, you know as powerfully as the tuscans and everything but there's stuff going on with the jobs i just love their humor i love their joy it's the souk of it all <laughs> it really is i wonder if they have a name for that ship like <laughs> like they do for the eggs Suka. um i like the the major domo even while captured still trying to use red tape uh to defend himself uh, yeah. when they're saying like uh clearly things are going to go down because mock has left the planet and yeah. major domo says uh, it was a scheduled vacation actually <laughs> <laughs> uh 
uh, you, uh, you've referred to this line, but my last two things are, are two more great Cobb Vance lines of, uh, of Din saying, I haven't seen you since he gave up the armor. How have you been more careful? Right. Really right. funny and setting up the tragedy as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I like when Din buys him a drink at, <laughs> at his bar. His own bar. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or the bar of Freetown, but I, I really like a Cobb Vance line. Like that's that's the thing with you, Mando. That big smile of yours lets you get away with anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that, that was great. That's great. Uh, any other moments that you wanted to call out? Uh, none specific. Uh, just a ton of whimsy. Just a, a spirit of a good old wonder and whimsy all through it, and it really, uh, really helped. Really worked. Yeah, absolutely, and just uh, totally very smooth throughout, which brings us to talking about any director moments. Uh, uh, Filoni back in the director's chair, any directorial moments that jumped out at you that you particularly enjoyed? I I think I, going back to the Cad Bane thing, not to not to uh, harp on it too much, but just the, the shot, the time uh, it took to unfold, the tension, uh, clearly Old West, Spaghetti Western, whatever kind of uh, film reference you want to make, it was there. Uh, and, but it didn't come off. It came off as, as, as its own thing. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think that really, uh, really worked for me. Uh, and, and to find that, uh, kind of that, that tone through line, uh, it, it connected, it was real, had, had an impact. And, uh, I think that was my favorite directed sequence of, of the show. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely great. I, I there have been a lot of the kind of classic Western shots lately, so mm-hmm. I feel like there was an uh, effort to uh, revitalize them and do some different angles. I really like the the above angle where uh, Cobb and Cad were facing off, but you kind of saw that you know m- most of the town there. Yeah, uh, that really recentered what this was. That Cad was coming to shoot if he needed to, but intimidate in front of everybody. You know, it, it really drove that home. Uh, and by the way, I like you know. I love the, you know, I didn't, I didn't catch your name and it, no name given, right? It's true, yeah. true stranger from the desert. And um, again, taking the time, even with your own canon to just be like, now you, if you don't know, you'll figure, you'll figure out some point. It's not, it's not yes. for right now. Wait for the thousands of uh, articles and videos <laughs> yeah. that will tell you. Uh, there are a couple of shots that I really liked. Um, I liked that very purposeful shot around the N1 uh, when Din was first getting out on the Jedi planet. So for just a moment, R2 was inside the droid port. Yes. And, you know, it, it was one of those shots that was like, uh, that's fun because it, it puts me in R2's head for a minute. Is R2 seeing that N1 and is he thinking about or remembering his own past? Yeah, he's got to be thinking, you know, wizard, look at that. I've no, I could fly one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been in one of those. Yeah. Also, yeah. Also the connections. Yeah. Yeah. I was loaded from below into one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really, really liked uh, all throughout Book of Boba Fett, many points in Mando, there's been uh, long shots of atmosphere to get you in the mood and kind of <laughs> get your breath at the same pace of the show. There's those long shots of of nature of the Jedi planet before seeing Grogu that I just thought were so great to kind of get you in the mood. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then last thing for me uh, is I, I just really love that shot at the end when uh, Luke was presenting the choices when he initially holds up the the Beskar chainmail vest. Uh, to Grogu <laughs> and it's like a little fashion show where he holds it up perfectly. Oh, how Grogu would wear it. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? I do. We did touch on it. I just want to pay, take a moment, pay the respects. Garza Fuebb, Jennifer Beals. If this is the end, uh, and I I'm on the side that says that, uh, that was not a damaged sanctuary. That was, uh, that was, uh, destroyed gone erased uh along with the big meaning stuff you talked about and and connecting it to boba fett 
saying he protected, but not being able to. Uh, she was gr- really great. She was just really great all through this and 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 just killing the, the moments and scenes she had. And even this final moment, not really saying much, but just her having that uh, moment of um, knowing the real picture, knowing what's going on. And it's tragic. It's tragic because as someone who tried to help move Tatooine past that place of violence to fall victim to it uh, in any way, shape or form uh, uh, was sad. But it's also just uh, I, I really love that character. I love the way. Uh, she was used, and 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 she'll the, part of uh, Garson Foot's legacy. If this is it, if this is the only time she appears in Star Wars, is that a collection of uh, the memes of "You're a Champion" that stuff that was going around. <laughs> yeah, her speech to Chrysanthemum is just so great, so central to all these ideas. And I think for me, it was a huge tragedy, and I felt it because her performance has been amazing. That location has been amazing. It's evoked all these ideas of they, we can change. Her speech is all about change. But it also just reminded me that uh, I think that we are rewarded when we have patience. When we're watching those early episodes of Book of Boba Fett, and like, why do they keep coming back to the sanctuary? Like, well, because of this, because they want us to know it, know these people and care about them. And it worked. Yeah. 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 Uh, two things for me. Uh, I want to fully acknowledge that I had a strong necklace theory. I hoped that the the Mandalorian <laughs> chains are not going to be chain mail is uh, everybody guessed quite accurately, but I, I thought it'd be fun if they were a necklace and the silver ball was on it. So I was dead wrong about that, but I'm, so intrigued that the silver ball is still in play, right? That it's been such a symbol of the connection uh, between Din and Grogu and it it has not been resolved and obviously there's a lot of storytelling uh, left left to happen with that. Uh, But it also it it amused me. I was uh, texting with a friend right after uh, the episode and, and my friend was like, come on, Luke, let him have both. (laughs) And it occurred to me that like, is that what Grogu is thinking of like, uh, is there a third option? Could I get that silver ball? Because that's what I want. That's what I want with a with a fried frog. Ah, you don't even need to fry that frog. Just give me that. Frog. <laughs> I just want the silver ball. Come on, yeah, love it. Um, final thing for me that I want to be sure to to uh, mention because uh, <laughs> uh, so many people are having fun with this uh, that uh, Din Djarin is uh, slowly learning more about Star Wars, but the fact that he's mutuals with Luke <laughs> and Boba, right? <laughs> And that Luke and Boba have a relationship to each other and he has no idea the significance is so fun. And like particularly with Boba Fett, like uh, with uh, obviously Luke knows who Boba Fett is and has had some significant interactions with him. But imagine, you know, the way he's just saying, like, I'm looking for Skywalker. Like what? what, uh, I guess that's a guy. I guess that's a guy I met. I'm looking Mm. Skywalker. Uh, The idea that Boba would be like Skywalker, right? Yeah, that's the guy I was trying to kill when I fell into the Sarlacc and started all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh God, they fought Obi Wan's hut. Oh my God, there's so much there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I almost hope that uh, it gets mentioned right <laughs> next week. Just yeah, Boba Fett going. What you did? What? Yeah, I got to go see Skywalker again. What? <laughs> yeah, it's a fun thing to joke about. We'll see if there's anything there. Uh, we'll move on to predictions or hopes for next week. What do you got there? Uh, look, um, big old battle, you know, I, I want that. I think this show's been building to that in a lot of ways thematically. Uh, it's been taking its time, and I think we could get rewarded with that. I, I know that's not going to be it, and because of that, I'd love to take some of the time to have some meaningful confrontations, meaningful moments, and meaning, last last bits of connection and choices, and really, you know, that being the driving point of why this was happening and why Boba Fett's taking the stand and what it means. And I'd love a reference or a callback to the Tuscans. I'd love all that. I love, I I, I just want to see it all come together and come home. 
and then get a big old giant Boba Fett rides a Rancor with a, a you know pulse rifle. Let's just dump all the figures on the ground, collect them all, <laughs> and let's fight. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that big battle is coming. Uh, um, I think there is the possibility in the same frame to see uh, Boba Fett riding a Rancor while Din Djarin uh, floats with a jetpack wielding a Darksaber. <laughs> it just, it sounds like fan fiction that we would have written, right? It sounds like everyone who makes reference to that, the Patton Oswalt, uh, you know, uh, yeah. parts and rec thing, it, it, it has that feeling. But, but... <laughs> But I'm, it's been so earned. I will, I will, I will die on that hill for this show. It has been so earned, absolutely earned. Um, th- other people have made this uh, this prediction, uh, but it, I, I really feel like you know Fennec's line about like the these Vikers didn't take out Tuscans. Yeah, uh, it's always felt like the Pikes are responsible, and now to see that Cad Bane is actively working with them, uh, I think that could really heighten the conflict between Boba Fett and Cad Bane if uh, Cad Bane personally. Uh, killed the Tuscans. Oh yeah, yeah. This this could be this could be the last stand of Cad Bane. Of Cad Bane. Enjoy him, enjoy him while you can. Maybe I don't know. That's not a prediction. Not even a hope. Just maybe <laughs> a, a thought. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just I'm so excited to see where Boba ends up. I really could see this. Like I said, as a is a really crystallize him into what kind of character he is, who he believes, uh, what he believes in, and then deal with this sort of Mandalorian heritage as he maybe helps Bo-Katan and uh, Din in the future. Or I also think, uh, you know, it might work thematically for him to sacrifice himself uh, to free Tatooine. Mm. Could be, could be. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Very excited to see. I also think that there's, you know, uh, um, I think there's a lot, as we've talked about, I think Boba knows a little bit more than we, the audience do still. Yeah. Um, about his exact motivations and, and, you know, exactly uh, we know a lot about his personal motivations and he wants to be a different kind of leader and lead yeah. with respect, not fear, but like uh, his devotion to Tatooine and, and his kind of end game for Tatooine. If there is any sort of element of giving it back to the people uh, mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form, what that is, I think that might be an interesting idea as well. Yeah, could 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 very well be. But man, we are in for a finale. Big finale, and we will move to the finale of the very podcast we are doing right now. We always like to talk about what merch we would like based on this episode. There are a ton of great options. Ken, uh, what merch do you want uh, based on this chapter? Yeah, we need a Cad Bane Halloween mask. It's so lifelike that it just it <laughs> creeps you out. You wear it, hand out kids uh, candy to the kids, and, and, and all the kids run away scared. Oh, this is so scary. You can't even have, you don't even have any nostrils to look through. Uh, I like the line mm. where he talked about sticking your nose in things and he, when he doesn't have a nose. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can smell the plastic. I would love mm-hmm. a Cad Bane Halloween mask. Uh, I always want action figures. So I loved, I loved Luke's similar but different uh, outfit with the mm-hmm. black, uh, but the the more calm, like uh, they're, they're uh, it's like a Jedi ascot robe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wonderful fold. So uh, I think oftentimes I want action figures that aren't going to be made. I think that one's going to be made. I want Luke Skywalker in teaching robes that comes with two dozen frogs. Oh yeah. Floating frogs. Well, yeah, absolutely. Floating frogs, floating frogs. Uh, anything else for you? Um, uh, no, a lot of figures to pull from this. Uh, already, I'm seeing some of the Boba Fett pre-orders, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, it, you know, it, it, Cobb Vance now with battle wounds. Give, give, give me the, the, the Freetown playset, give me it all. <laughs> yeah, I want uh, Cobb Vance with a Comtech chip that says, think it through. Think it through. That'd be great. 
Uh, last one for me, you know, uh, back in the second season of Mandalorian, there was uh, kind of this fun hubbub because William Sonoma uh, released those uh, Grogu uh, cookies for $50. Uh, so now I want uh, Crate and Barrel to sell a, a custom Mando bamboo waiting bench for like $5,000, oh, just yeah. grossly overpriced. I'll put that in the backyard right now. <laughs> All right, that is our big look. I'm proud of us that we came in under three hours, Ken, on this massive episode of Book of Boba Fett. But for now, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I'd love to. And if you just kind of find us uh, because of this big episode, welcome. We're the Force Center Podcast feed. Uh, you can be uh, you can connect with us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We're on uh, Facebook at Force Center Podcast. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. If you want to get an audio book, you can do so on us by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. A podcast available in a lot of different spots. We're housed uh, here on ACAST, uh, but also Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. You can follow me at catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com. Joseph, uh, where can they go for you? Yeah, you can find me on the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out all my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Grogu and his choices, this has been the Book of Boba Fett Report. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.